Yo, we got a great episode today, Dragonfly Earth Medicine. We get into traveling through Malaysia, Pakistan, Indonesia, Thailand. We get into regenerative farming up in British Columbia. If you've never seen what they do, Dragonfly Earth Medicine, unbelievable. And then we talk about energy. The energy you give off and the energy you receive. This is a not to miss episode for all the growers, for all the smokers, for everybody. Trust me, wait till you hear this one. Yo, and if you haven't already, check out fsotd.com slash sponsor. We're gonna get you hooked up with everybody. We appreciate Dr. Dabber, Grogen, and Drip. Yeah. These two are two special cannabis educators that are passionate about the plant mm -hmm. and passionate about life. Make sure you stay tuned till the end. You're gonna wanna see this whole entire episode. Shout out to Dragonfly Earth Medicine. It's episode 107, let's go. 1999, we're in Nelson, British Columbia, and they're selling bags that says, turn your trash to cash. We're like, what? They're like, oh yeah, you don't have to like throw it away. What nature does is to make soil. Every single process of nature is soil creation. Something is gonna change. And we came back to the house a couple hours later. We found out about the Haiti earthquake. I said, we're going. Hey, what's up, everybody? We're back, man, again. First smoke of the day. Today's episode 107. Pat God's in the building here with my co-host, Blackleaf. Excited about this. And we got some beautiful company today, Dragonfly Earth Medicine. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you so much for having us. We feel really blessed to be in the room with you all and share some story and learn some stuff from you all as well. Yeah, Absolutely. Thanks so much. Super honored to be here. All the way from Canada. Yeah. We appreciate Via it. For real. Oregon and Northern California. <laughs> Absolutely. Down. BC, Canada, that. Yeah. British Columbia. Yeah. 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 We moved up there in 1998 from Oregon wow. in the search of ganja and the search of cannabis in a peaceful way that it was very much so just rooted in the mountains and nature and, and a good living life and like good lifestyle. Good lifestyle. Yeah. We say that we were cannabis yeah. refugees. Yeah. We left. And, wow. Yeah. And that's, that's the BC era. That's like the beginning of the BC era. From what, we know it mm -hmm. um that's crazy what was it like going during those times or maybe we bring it even further before that and kind of tell us what lead led up to that um well i grew up in virginia so in the south in the 70s so weed was definitely not a thing at all it still you know? isn't it still there. isn't yeah. Yeah, yeah actually there's some really yeah. beautiful growers in va va don't play a little shout out to all the va guys yeah. out there yeah. doing duke some diamond, amazing things oh yeah duke diamond yeah, yeah. yeah. he's from va I gotta get him on here <laughs> um so growing up in virginia there was none of that but uh i went to my first dead show lied to my parents told them that i was babysitting went to my first dead show in 1986 summer of 1986 and uh i found my people I was like, whoa, where have all these people been this whole time? Wow. I have finally found like my crew of people. And it was the first time that I ever tripped on mushrooms. First time I ever smoked weed. 
and um, just sort of entered into that alternative culture of kindness and plant medicine and organic foods and where people were actually speaking to each other and talking about feelings. I didn't really grow up with that. Grew up with, um, you know, just sort of the basics. And uh, then I was super blessed to go up to Alaska um, in the summer of 1990. And I met Johnny Appleseed um, (coughs) and he allowed me to go up to his gardens and I worked with him for the whole summer. And we grew the Alaskan Thunderfuck up there. And it was about um, a good three three to four hours uh, of a hike out to his plot. And he taught me all about organics and closed loop farming, sort of from the beginning, because he just had good soil that he'd been working with for so long. I have goosebumps. Yeah. That's super cool. It's a yeah. legendary yeah. strain yeah, just because of the name alone. And the yeah. guy. The, yeah. The, the being behind all that. Yeah. He even guy. flew over uh, the, was it the Bluegrass Festival? Yeah, Healy. The Healy Bluegrass Festival. And or dropped seeds. Talkeetna. <laughs> you know? Yeah, out of an airplane. It wasn't cool. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. Not well, Alaska cool. always had those laws, right? Like I fished in Alaska in 94, the long lined, super hardcore long line fishing. And, uh, you know, like people grew weed, like it was a open state. It was one of those places just like, don't tell, don't worry about it. Just grow weed. And it's, it's legal in, in Alaska. You make it all the way up here. If you can live and survive, like who the hell cares if you have some weed plants? It is cool. Well, when it's treated like, you know, not to say an apple tree, but other products or other loving uh, plants that you're putting life into on a garden, right? It's like they almost, it's like, oh yeah, here's our mandarin tree or oranges. Here's this. Oh, there's cannabis over there. Then we got corn and we got, I love when it's like that. Most definitely. Most definitely. What was Alaska like back then? Alaska was amazing. I was, um, I went up there originally just to like clean hotel rooms and I ended up becoming a river raft guide and growing weed, uh, with Johnny. So it was really amazing. It was the first summer that I had taken off from like grateful dead tour, decided to do something different. And that was the summer that Brent died. So didn't see Brent's last show in yeah, Chicago where she went to high school in Chicago area. Yeah. So you would have been definitely at that one. Yeah. And uh, just changed my whole life on my relationship with nature. Growing up in Virginia, it was always, you know, go out and play. Weren't allowed to hang out. TV was definitely not a thing. You know, in the 70s, we're not allowed to watch TV. So, you know, you're always outside, but it gave me that really the big, open, wide nature. And I was smoking a lot of weed that summer and just the connection to mother nature and, and, and my soul connection to it and realizing that I did want to have the natural life and I did want to become a grower and I did want to be around the cannabis plant because it made me happy. And then at the end of the summer, being able to like harvest flowers and then give them away to friends and they were smoking them like, hey, now we got something amazing. and. Then after that, I hit Grateful Dead tour, um, and that's how I made my way through college. Um, sold sold Kind Bud on tour, and uh, it was all out of Eugene, Oregon. So it was really good, beautiful blueberry and a lot of the old strains that we now know of, but we just called it Kind Bud. We didn't know. And um, yeah, I was able to make it through a lot of schooling and with cannabis. And, yeah, uh, you know, mushroom. Yeah. Uh, Oregon's the uh, homeland of psilocybin you know during the 70s and and 80s and stuff super underground so you know it's a good amount of stuff coming out of there 
You did a lot of uh, blackberry picking in Virginia or no? Uh, blackberry picking more up in Oregon. Okay. okay. Yeah. In fact, one summer, Josh and I sold blackberry cobbler at a Grateful Dead show and we made tons of money. We're like, Hey, why aren't we doing this still? (laughs) (laughs) We also sold love triangles, which was nettle that we picked with morel mushrooms that we found. And I don't forget what the triangle part of it was, but maybe it was the the bomb. It was super wild, good food. And it was just always nice when you could go out in nature, pick a bunch of stuff and then just bring it to the shakedown street to the parking lot and just be like, check it out, family. This yeah. just came hot off the the presses, but hot off the, the wildness from the, you know, valley. There's the something to be out. said yeah. for having food that hasn't been harvested months prior, years prior. Uh, you're talking days, if not hours prior. And so much of the food that's grown, even if you buy it, it's like this different version of food. When you're getting something from the wild, I mean, you're getting a matrix of nutrients and you're, you know, wild crafting, of course, uh, respectfully, you know, in in a zone, not just wiping stuff out. You know, there's a there's a a way to do it proper and stuff. But. Yeah, you start to travel, but basically Alaska was the, the jump off point. I think Alaska was the jump off point for cannabis, for sure. But honestly, growing up from Virginia, I never really felt like I fit in. You know, like I grew up around a lot of old money, horse, old money right near D.C., and I just never really felt like I fit in. And then when I started meeting more of my people as I headed out west and going to Grateful Dead shows, I just thought, wow, there's something that people are talking about more than how was your day? How was school? People actually want to know, like, you know, the depths of your soul and then started to sort of challenge maybe religion and challenge all of these, you know, the big education, challenge education, challenge that I went to school to become a naturopath. And I did tons and tons of years in school and then realized, wait a minute, then when you actually go out into the field and you're working with people or you're working with plants, all of those years was really just a big money grab. And I didn't really learn what the tools that I needed in the field. So you're sort of set out naked and you have to get your tools and pick up your tools as, as, as you're working with people. But I was really thankful at that time that I was still utilizing cannabis because it gives you a real guide and a way of communicating that isn't just surface because no matter where you go in the world and you can be anywhere in the world, you can be in Africa, you can be anywhere and you don't speak the same language, but if you light up a joint in an alleyway, and there's somebody else that likes it, you're automatically going to be friends. Cannabis brings people together and it allows us to talk about things rather than just what's up with the weather. And I appreciate that about cannabis. So if there's been an education, it's been cannabis. That's been our number one. And that's one of the coolest things about Grateful Dead shows. And it's fun to watch Grateful Dead parking lot videos from the eighties on YouTube, just parking lot scene you know, nineties, you know, and you just realize you see all the people in the parking lot were super sparked up. They were sparked up because they were making a difference. Life was stupid. Like normal life in the suburbs is just boring. It's not rich. It's, you know, in the sense of culture and stuff. And when you find purpose and you can match that with your energy, maybe it's youthful, maybe it's elder. I mean, the, those parking lot videos are really cool. You know, they're the learning, just recycling, saving the environment, standing up for old growth trees, making and selling your own medicine, giving it to people that got 
thrown out by potentially by the medical industry, which is where it led into the, the San Francisco situation and, and the 1996 legalization for medical for a lot of the AIDS victims and stuff. So yeah, there's a really beautiful spark in there. We're blessed we got to be part of it because we always saw our elders, you know, talking about the 60s, you know, and the late 60s and the whole free love revolution and then the back to the land movement. You know, when the whole late 60s to 70s major psychedelic of concerts and those things, when that kind of had its time, you know, there was this back to the land movement where people moved up to Oregon, Northern California, even the Grateful Dead band moved up there, you know, so people were just like, you know what, we're going to, we're going to figure this out. And that's where the weeds came. Like the weed all of a sudden had a place to live. You know, people were traveling around the world because they didn't want to just be in America. They wanted to check out Afghanistan like Mila was doing, find out about what, we didn't even know how hash was made back then, to be honest. Like we thought, there's books that showed all these crazy contraptions. You're like, oh my God, I don't know. I'm not a chemist, you know? And that, that when it was a revolution, when I figured out you could make it with water and ice, oh, holy fuck, 1999, we're in Nelson, British Columbia, and they're selling bags that says, turn your trash to cash. We're like, what? They're like, oh yeah, you don't have to like throw it away. You can, you can like mix it in cold water and break the heads off. And then, wow, they bubble, they melt, they and so anyway, there's, that was a beautiful thing. And then we would go to our friends, you know, big gardens up here in Northern California and maybe help them out, help them trimming or whatever, you know, whatever they had. And Josh would bring his bags and he'd be like, well, I'm going to be making hash. And everybody would be freaking whoa, whoa, out. Whoa, he would whoa, be making hey. bricks that would just cover the whole table. And hash like, is punishable. Now, you're, now you're, it's punishable. You're going to get us <laughs> fucked up. We're just trying to grow weed here. <laughs> And they're going to show up and see like hash bricks. You're like, yeah, we're going to have to separate this out a little bit. But people were telling matter. us, just throw them away. We don't know what we're going to do with that hash. We don't have a market for that. We don't even know what that is. Yes. You, a lot of times, a lot of the early guys would like give, like if you buy some of the weed, they'll just give you some of the hash is like a, try this too. I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Exactly. It wasn't as much there. Europe obviously has more of that that hash culture partly because it's so punishable and it's just easy to carry around hash plus a lot of people love tobacco so it's easy for them they just smoke it together it's like you can smoke it on the street no one knows the difference so it's not like partly it's the zone that creates like the type of smoking that it is but yeah you couldn't even sell hash in in a way you really couldn't sell hash in the late 90s in california oregon not really market in canada you could There's places people only dream of going. I've been there. And you could too. You couldn't. It was sweet. It's interesting what you say about the the laws and the land and how that influences the culture and why they would choose that over this. That's yeah. totally on point. Must and what you're talking about is like the time era of when the U.S. took back cannabis as from being an import to now potentially an export. That began then, I feel like, because 
it was predominantly what Mexican brick, uh, mm-hmm. Colombian um, cannabis. Those were reigning the territories. And then as everyone goes up north and, you know, these movements begin, it's like the free the weed movement, basically like we'll take this, we'll, we'll start doing this now. And then that rises to what we have today is cutting edge like leading the way you know it's it's pretty crazy it's super interesting actually when you mention it like that because lsd mdma got created later but lsd you know was legal in the 60s mini beginning of the 60s mid 60s that's why they were doing the acid tests and the whole like kool-aid you know and people coming to a party tripping checking out lights doing poetry education it wasn't just a wild free-for-all it was super like elevate yourself like let's not just fuck the system like let's get super heady about it all and learn like the intricacies of life and have a wild good time because if you're not laughing it's just not even funny you know and we're trying to have fun so the the lsd was legal back then then it got illegal and then people kind of blew out the weed and everything at the parties like you always hear about and then they went to the weed and they grew ganja from the mid 70s to the 80s and now ganja got legalized late 90s you know and then now and then into the 2000s of course and now still it's it's good but anyway now that you're seeing lsd and the psychedelics now becoming legalized because of the herb that's right in a lot of ways it's not just not just because of the herb but the conversation is crazy open the door like hey you know there's more to life than just you know these certain systems we have to allow some kind of grassroots movement something amazing happens there we'll fuck it up and regulate it and bring it to the masses, you know, but it's cool when you're checking it out over here, you know, which is really interesting too, because you were talking about the environment and the environment of people, but we could also have that same conversation with the environment of where cannabis is grown and the different varietals. And now with the legalization, well, decriminalization of a lot of plant medicine in BC, we're dealing with 2.5 grams is totally decrimmed for almost any kind of drug right now. So they're allocating some conversation, but what's really interesting is they're trying to go down the human science way of it. And they're saying, okay, we're going to allocate, we're going to allow people to do therapy of plant medicine, but it's got to be indoors. You've got to have one therapist with you. The room may have to be padded. And for some ketamine therapy, we're even going to tie you down. And um, then you can listen to some kind of a headset and they're going to make this the norm. So not only guide you, they're, they're, they're taking plant medicine with exactly what they did with cannabis is they're trying to own it and they're trying to put it down these certain avenues Mm -hmm. for regulation. But I don't know about you guys, but you know, if we're talking about getting rid of PTSD, I'm going to be gaining PTSD in a situation like that. With psychedelics, you're trying to break down the walls. (laughs) Yeah. So you don't really need to be in the walls walls. to break down the walls, you know? It sounds like all the tools that have been used to break the programming, they're trying to reintroduce it to program even more. Exactly. It's, a it's like a state certified therapist is going to guide me. I'd rather go to like a shaman or someone that you meet and you're like, okay, yeah, this is, this is where I need to be. You yeah. feel this it. This is rooted yeah. in culture. You know? This is yeah. rooted. You can't in. be forced. Like Rooted in nature. The way, the way that you said like people were, were doing LSD and then coming together in a formal setting to like elevate if that was done now people would have a totally different opinion on 
psychedelics and what they could do. Like no one's, I don't know of anyone that's had that experience mm -hmm. personally. Mm -hmm. And I've never been like heard of like, oh, I went to this thing and mm -hmm. I've never even heard that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if that came back around, then I feel like it'd be a, you know, a, a net positive. Whereas what you're talking about, it's like, that's the worst case scenario. It's isolating. Next thing you know, they're writing you off. It's like, yup, you're crazy. Yup, you That's need to right. be on these pills. Yup, you, you need medicine. Rather than, yep, you need you're pharmaceuticals. On something. Yep, yeah. we need to learn from you. Yeah. Yep, we need to bring and you in. And you realize yeah. that the only reason they're getting their paychecks because of the pharmaceutical company. And it's just, mm -hmm. I don't know. That's that whole part right there is like, that's disappointing yeah. to hear that. And We're feeling pretty blessed though right now because, and it could be a ruse and it could be exactly what they did in the cannabis industry is when they regulated it and they legalized it. They said, we're going to be bringing in legacy growers. We're going to yeah. try to get the yeah. education from the <laughs> legacy growers as to how to run this. Mm -hmm. that, those conversations were not had. They for sure weren't had in Canada when they became federally legalized. But they're saying now that they're going to be having conversations with people who have been working with plant medicines Josh and I have been working with plant medicine therapy for over 30 years um, and well, about 30 years. And we have the opportunity now to, we just, we just got a piece of property, 17 acres that is going to be a center for this kind of work so that people can come to a nature setting so that they can sit in front of a fire so that they can hula hoop away some of their worst trauma that they've ever had in an environment in an ethos that's actually going to take supportive. that vibration yeah and be totally supportive offering potentially now, a na natural birth in nature potentially a natural death as well both yeah. we do yeah. both wow. we've done numerous yes. times so now I we really have an opportunity that. to sit with doctors nurses and nurse practitioners so before they're able to get the medicine they would come out to our place and they can have their own session so they can understand what it is to have nature be the guide because nature yeah. is the guide too for me in midwifery or in birth as well when you want to help somebody get through things, they're their best teacher. They're their best mentor. Let's not have the flawed human being be the mentor. Let's allow nature that is in her ultimate per perfection and everything that she does is very powerful and integrated. So we, if we allow that unfolding to happen, then we can truly heal. And now having the conversations of psychedelics, we have this incredible opportunity to open up the door to human health and healing. But how and what kind of door? Is it going to be an elevator? Is it going to be an escalator? Are going to be walking into a science lab? Or are we going to be walking through a door to Narnia and be allowed to have nature be the guide to our health and healing, which is exactly what we say about cannabis and cannabis cultivating. And, you know, people that are close to the plant and people that are in the soil and people who are having interactions with nature every day are going to be the stewards of that plant and their vibration and their energy is put into that joint. Every single flower then has that vibration. And then we can actually bring up the entire humanity through plant medicine rather than me talking about it or another human being teaching about it or writing a book about it. Let's just, it just comes allow to you. You don't it have to, to happen. It. Yeah. Let it come from within. within. Let you experience it and you learn the lesson yourself. You are your own God. Mm -hmm.
You were yeah. the best teacher for you. It's, oh. it's, it's like when you do plant medicine the proper way, you, no one's like trying to tell you how to have your experience. They're just there to like make sure you're all like, you're okay. They're singing, they're playing exactly. bells, tones, exactly. they're effect, you know, some, you know, they're working at, with energy, you know? So, you know, it's that's, for, it's powerful. I'm just going to say that. Like I've done one ayahuasca ceremony late last year, um, three nights. And it was just great, great people. Um, but it, people are like, what's it like? And I'm like, you really, it's, you can't explain it really. Mm -hmm. yeah. It doesn't serve the, you can't. It's not even about explaining. You just, yeah, you, feel, you feel called you just to like, it. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, yeah. Check so I, I highly recommend it for anybody that's like, we're all dealing, especially right now. Dude. We're all dealing with so much stress and trauma. Yeah. That what you just said is a better plan than I've heard anybody ever say by not letting another flawed human being do it, let nature do it. It's like, that's the closest we're going to get to whatever higher power you believe in or what, you know, that in my opinion on this, in this life, that's the closest we're going to, besides birth and death, you know, but that's, even know, that's it, crazy. That's magical. Even in therapy, you know, it's something that you switch on you know, based off something that's said to you, you know, because they're a therapist, you know, but it's not, they didn't teach you something. You're you, you know, you better than anyone else. So it's going to be your own switch. So maybe that's coming to you easier in a natural setting. You know, maybe you don't need to go through eight years and I'm not saying there's not good therapists. Of course, everything's good. It's happening. You know, we're trying to do our best and stuff. But I think that healing is a different frequency than speaking. I believe that true healing and nature share that same vibrational frequency. And then as soon as we open up our mouths, it's an interruption of that frequency. We can experience so much by not saying anything. I have been doing births. I, I've, I've been so honored and blessed to be at, you know, over a thousand births. And that is not. All Speaking, natural. Uh, of course, all 100% natural in all impressive. many places in the world. Traditional midwifery. Yeah. And that's yeah, a healing. A that's a vibration. When a child comes into the world, when a mother is going through that process, when a part of her has to die in order to birth, and that child, a part of it is dying in order to take that first breath as well, because it's leaving an environment and coming into something else. This is not words. I'm not talking to a mother with language. In fact, I've been working all over the world where I don't speak the same language, nor do I need to. So a lot of times I wonder if that sort of traditional, what we consider traditional therapy does get in the way because we tend to talk ourselves into circles as human beings. But when we're experiencing a true healing vibrational frequency, there are no words. And there's no words that even need to happen. And you can just sit and become healed through just being open to that healing frequency vibration that nature has for us. So I do believe that the healing of the nation is going to be coming from utilizing nature as the therapist, as the mentor. And it's going to come from the plant medicines to get us there. Because 
And the food. And the food, absolutely, is just this relationship so that the microbiome of the plant can be totally filled up with beneficials from a beautiful, beneficial soil that then goes into our body and nourishes every single cell. Not only is it adding beneficial microbiology, but adding beneficial microbiology means that you're eradicating pathogens. So the more beneficial that we are, meaning the more beneficial, even the ethos, even the air between us, we're creating this beautiful vibe. We're smoking it up and it feels good. That's healing. And that's adding beneficials and kicking out pathogens at the same time. I love that. In with the good, out with the bad. Yeah. Uh, it's a process. In every moment. Yeah. Every, yeah. every good, every uh, experience I've had with plant medicine, you're never talking. I just put that together as you said that. I was like, that's why no one said, you just said, yes, music. And yes, there's like other things, but no one's talking for hours. Maybe some but giggling. You're, but you're, you're going through your, like you're, you know, going through your thing, but like no one's like just hanging out and talking. It's not Maybe needed. It would some... defeat the whole purpose. Like you're not even called to do it. You don't even get, it's not even like a, a desire or a temptation. To like, oh, let me talk. It's like, no, you're, you know, doing your own thing. And sometimes when you try to open up your mouth, when you're on psychedelics, what do you hear from your friends? Dude, I can't talk. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. I, I just can't talk. I'm experiencing something and it's just, I'm drooling a little bit. <laughs> One yeah. of the reasons why we love dogs so much and, and cats <laughs> and, you know, things that are like, you know, animals that we have in our lives. We never talk to them. We always point. talk to them. But we never talk to them. Right. But are you ever wondering what they're thinking? You always, always know what they're thinking. You <laughs> yeah. know what they need. You're hanging out. You're like, seriously, you want to go outside right now? Whatever it is. Yeah. You're hungry. What? A treat? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's nice. That's yeah. nice to have around, you know? And, and those animals <laughs> teach us. It's a crazy that. acknowledgement. Yeah. I don't think people are thinking of it like that at all. We're right here, our favorite place to go, you know, where the pros go to grow, at Grow Generation. Over 60 stores nationwide, either in-store or online. Use our code. First Smoke 10. Family, get online if you're shopping for grow goods, First Smoke 10, or in-store anywhere in the U.S. Tell them the First Smoke family sent you. We'll see you there. You can do Definitely that with your plants, too. Let's just bring it full circle to the to the ganja yes. like that's what's cool about a regenerative farm or a natural nature farm when you have the ability to speak with your plants indoors too of course even more so indoors you know you have to be speaking with your plants they're resonating with you they're building their <clears throat> medicinal compounds every moment of the day and they're interacting you're talking you're th you are, you're talking to your plants too i mean you don't have really very uh very many questions when you know if they're healthy and happy you're just walking you're stoked everyone's saying yay ah you know it's beautiful so maybe we have a lot of nonverbal communication stuff in our life if we just like check it out and acknowledge acknowledge it you're right because in the best times and the worst times i come into a room and the plants are praying you're like look at you lady look at you you know and you're I'm, you're going through this process like wow and i'm you know and you're giving that vibrate besides speaking it and then even when they're hurt you're like come on come on like we got like it, it is that i was just going through that where i was like oh look at you and i'm i'm brushing the leaves up and i'm looking at this plant i was like wow you're just shining yeah. you know and 
it is like that. And the leaf will shine sometimes, yes. you know, without oh, even turn. being sprayed, you know. Sometimes you're like, man, they're all turning. You, you know, it, it makes me think on the other side of the, the opposite, uh, the opposite side of the other extreme. Have you ever been around someone that just has to have something on always? Yeah. And as I'm getting older, I realize that I'm like, I don't, like, I can't, I don't do well with that. Yeah. I drive frequently with nothing on. That's cool. Yeah. That's because cool. I want to be in my thoughts. I want to be, and I just, I don't need, because it, it almost builds anxiety, a lot of it. Like, yeah. if it's just background noise, just da 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 Especially like music, stuff like, it's like, at some point, you're like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not doing that right mm -hmm. now. Like, the noise is off. You it's know? really interesting to go down that road, too, of the thought. Like You guys know the type of people I'm talking about. Radio's oh, yeah. on, TV's on. Oh, yeah. There's got to be noise on mm -hmm. 24 seven all day long, every single day. Do you know what I'm talking about too? Can you yeah. confirm that? Uh, when I'm trying to check out a little bit, that's my process. When there is a lot of stress on the plate or things you're like, I don't want to think about. Um, I use that as well. Not to say that that's the right method, but yeah, that's, that is the, the distraction is I'm not going to get deep Keep into my thoughts on. because I have something I haven't, I haven't been ready to uh, face. And so I use that to continue this not thinking, right? I do that with talk radio sometimes. I listen to like talk radio. I listen to people speaking and then my thought process isn't mine. It's whatever's happening and whatever they're speaking of. So I'm, I'm with them instead of with me. And so I find myself sometimes like having to check myself because anytime I go somewhere or go to do something, I'll put on something where they're speaking or there's some type of conversation, YouTube, right? And I'm now immersed in what they have going on, not what I have going on, even yeah. if it's internal or up here, you yeah. know? That's a good point. I feel like I do that too. And me and Kelly talk about it a lot because she's often wanting it. We've been listening to more frequency music too. You know, like the 528 like is one that comes up as a magical frequency. Um, and, and frequency of love, right? Yeah. Like that. yeah. It's healing creation. Yeah. yeah. And then just any other frequencies, all sound healing. That That's definitely something would, we bring yeah. more into our life. Yeah. I mean, that... For anyone who hasn't known that, that's, there's no doubt about it. You know what that makes you know? me think? When we used to create designs, one of the things we had trouble doing was having music on with lyrics. Because now what you're designing yeah. you is keep being inspired by the lyrics. So if it's just music, if it's just like uh, instrumentals mm -hmm. or a, 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 chill a radio. beat. Yeah, chill radio. <laughs> exactly. Serious. That's what you're saying. We'll thinking. put that on though. And you need to be riding a chill you radio. You can free think. <laughs> so it's almost like you're in infinite space. You're able to grab ideas from different places, not from one place. You know, I would put hip hop on sometimes and my and thought process would be that. Too. For me, it's, it, it's more of a being able to keep a baseline calm of like you get, you feel worked up or tense sometimes you don't even realize it. And it's because of those things that you just have the just, just the racket going on constantly and the noise. And, um, and then I'll be around people too. And like, I'll want to ride quiet with the no music, nothing. And it's like, sometimes it's a problem and you just realize like, damn, like you, you need, need something, something going on. all the time. And it's like, that builds my anxiety just naturally and i've had to i've had to realize this over time i you know being younger you don't you're unaware just gotta go with it but by not listening to 
more noise and just drowning it out like you do become aware of it more and more and you're just like wow like Mm -hmm. you know there's a difference and it's it's to what you're speaking of right now is being healed through nature and then you add in plant medicine and like there is no talking yeah and in birth and death there is no talking either and those are our transitory times you know there's moaning there's sounds and then that's a frequency but you got to wonder you know in reflection to what you're saying right now i couldn't agree more and the question really is is are those beats harmonic to our own frequency that we listen to or are they disruptive and i would venture to say that a lot of things on the radio and what we listen to even in lyrics is not harmonic at all but actually quite disruptive so if we're getting that type of brain frequency disruption throughout the day or nonstop how is that a raising of your own vibration over a long period of time to does find it degrade peace and it mm. yes and 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 really like so much of media of the conversations that we're having even when we get together with people or we're in public zones and areas it's like very disruptive when it doesn't have to be. It could be so harmonic. And we know what that's like to harmonize with people and have a great conversation like we're doing now. It feels really good. We're all relaxed. I'll bet if somebody came in here and took the stats on what was going on with our body, we'd be like, yeah, blood pressure is For good. Sure. You guys are all doing really well because we've got cannabis and we're sharing a frequency and a vibration. And you know, like you meet people and, and they could be talking to you for like 20 minutes. And then you turn around and you're like, what'd they say? What'd they just say? <laughs> I don't fucking know what that person just said to me at all. Because if language is a frequency and you're on one frequency, you just didn't get it. You didn't hear it at all because they're actually speaking they a whole different frequency. G and you are in the key of A. Yeah. Whatever. And that's how we can scientifically explain it. But there's just people that don't vibe, even though they're speaking English or they're speaking the same language. I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me. Yeah. Holy shit. That's why we just explained it. It makes total sense, though. Yeah. Because mm. usually right. it's like, I look at, I've always used the phrase, we're just not on the same page or it's not the same vibe. Like, and you got to trust that, which is, I would correlate that to like intuition as well. Beautiful. Right. Yeah. Right. And intuition is like something that needs to be formed, you know, it needs to be sought after. You want, you have to need to want it to say, you know, maybe it's just there, but you know, it's, it's something that you can get better at, you know, if you like pay attention to it and everything. So, you know, or do we get better at it or do we, are we born with it completely and it degrades over time? You know, I think that everything is taking us away from our intuition. We need to ask a doctor, how do you feel? Hey, you know what? I don't really know how I feel. Hey, how do I feel? You're a doctor. How do I feel? And then all of a sudden we're giving power to another human being who's deeply flawed to tell us how we feel. That's a degradation of our own intuition right there. That's just one example. Education. You're just like, I don't really, that doesn't really feel right. I don't know. Okay. I guess. Well, book says it's right. You tell me it's right. right. I just got an A. I guess it's right. right. It's right. I got an A. I'm smart. Somebody's telling me that I'm smart, but we've missed the whole point. 
easy to believe, quick to believe, like of just like like you just said, oh, book said it's right, so it's got to be right. Mm-hmm. Even the parents, like even like, I just I I honestly think without going too too deep though, but it's like we've been programmed since birth. I mean, through media, through everything, marketing, yeah. You know, like all to of it. disconnect it's, us from our power yeah. source so that we're sort of like just buying and thinking and just mulling through you know and you know both our parents you know they they died early and and we saw that and we're part of it not really like in kids but you know just they're part of our journey to seek out something better like i definitely grew up and a household where there was just dull, dull noise happening at all times. You know what I mean? It was an escape. That's it's probably mostly what it is. You know, you're just escaping, you know, and rather than like getting super into something or, you know, instead of the dull noise, you're just like putting together something spectacular out of your brain, you know, maybe that's better for humanity as well. You know, when you can folk, every person has something to give, you know, and if we're just kind of dulled out, we're not necessarily reaching that potential, that gift that, that that's us, you know, in this life, which is our intuition. Yeah. And you nailed it. I feel like really it's an incredible route and it's a word that gets really glazed over and can be turned into lots of different things, but maybe intuition is our innate sense of truth. Maybe our intuition is truly our truth and everything in being a human is sort of trying to talk us out of that. And I sit with a lot of people in plant medicine sessions and what they come out of every time is, I just got to be me. All I got to do is be my authentic self. I'm here to be my authentic self, but why is that so fucking hard? Why is it so hard just to be you? And that's living in that sense of intuition. Is that the soul path? Because I think that we come in like a whole total whole soul being with a beautiful intuition. And when we have that other voice inside of us that's telling us, hey, you're not good. Dude, that's not good. Shouldn't be doing that. Ooh, maybe you shouldn't be looking like that. You shouldn't do that. Is that us or is it some kind of energetic frequency hitchhiker or something that we pick up along the way? Because that's not our authentic self. If you've got a voice in your head, you've automatically split yourself into two because one is saying something to the other. So that's not being whole. And coming out of these plant sessions, there needs to be one voice, which is you, your soul. That's your soul path. I believe that to be intuition. And if we can all just get back to that, that's the true individualized individualization that we need instead of moving away from isolation and the selfie nation of me, I, I. We can move into a we and an us just by being our authentic selves. I just, I really love that. Intuition is everything. Super important. Wow. I want to go up to the farm now Impactful. and I want to experience Honestly. a plant session. That would I do. Be amazing. What I, I do You're want to invited. bring up, we're waiting we, for you. You spoke on was uh, natural birth, but also natural death. Absolutely. Yeah. That really entices me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something all, like offered that you know you can okay you and you can't die soon? No, but I'm like s- it, I like that method of it. 
No, it's very. It's, it's I not don't something be you hear in a about. Hospital. It's not something no. you hear about. I didn't even honestly, mm-hmm. sadly enough, I didn't even think of that as an option. Me neither. That's why I'm like so. Yeah, I think it's amazing. Powerful. And you can have your own everything. And if you think about it, which we go back it's to like going in our peace. environment. Yeah. Versus in being in an environment zone. that is oh. just stressed in your, in your front room. I watched, like, you know, my grandmother passed late 2022 mm-hmm. and I watched what led up to that and chemo there, like just everything. And I'm like, she's a tough, tough woman. And I'm just looking at it as like, whoa, like that was rough. Major. Even just to watch, I can't imagine mm-hmm. how she felt during those years. And I would much rather just have a natural uh, exit. Yeah, a natural at exit. peace with me, the world, in touch with nature. That just sounds, I mean, it I can, think anybody listening happen. right now would agree that that sounds much better than dining in a nursing home or a hospital mm-hmm. or- By you yourself know, at home. With there a are caregiver. hospice programs. And I know how that goes too, because that's how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, you the know. death process is so taken away from us in the same way that the birth process is taken away from us, is it another, you know, big hit on our intuition and our soul path? I believe that it is, absolutely. Yo, what up, it's Blackleaf. I'm here at Grow Generation, and guess what? Drip Hydro storming the market. All the best growers I know are switching to it. And guess what, there's a reason, because it's preserving terps. I keep hearing that, preserving terps. And that's why we're here with Sunshine, facility advisor, facility manager, Overall, the man with Drip Hydro. Listen to why it's different, man. What's going on, guys? Sonny here with Drip Hydro. Thing is, at the end of the day, we just wanted to make a simple, clean, cost-effective nutrient line that nobody has really seen on the market right now. Nobody uses really our chelation formulas, uh, the micronutrients that we have pulled to make this line is really just what makes it overall bringing that consistency and quality back to what we want to see in growing herb again and overall at the end of the day it's still really light on your wallet it's a five-part nutrient line and again if you're not staying sterile or you have a big facility and you don't want to run rock wool and you want to run a mix of cocoa with an enzyme or something you don't even have to run flow with it so at the end of the day it's just saving you money on your wallet while bringing the consistency and the quality of terps back we wanted to bring the terps back and bring the soul back to growing versatility cost effective and quality i mean what else can you ask for drip hydro first smoke of the day black leaf approved peace josh and i have been very honored to be invited um to several deaths uh, up in Canada, we have what's called the MAID program uh, that uh, a nurse practitioner, a doctor can come to your home and basically put you into the next realm, mm-hmm. you know, a death of the body. Um, and we've done plant medicine sessions while that person is passing over to the other side. And it has been so incredibly Along powerful. Four day long ceremony created by our community with the sacred fire set with multiple ceremonies with music with people gathering around and and even if it is like a death by injection because you have gone through every single thing you're basically not even just eating at that point and you have the ability to have like a death by injection which is what that is through the made program then you have the ability to set your 
your ceremony for your transition. And that's what, you know, people are beginning to do. And that's what we had the ability to be a part of. And it was really super magical to be around and set someone off like that. Mm -hmm. And then in our community and in a few other communities, there are, you know, cemeteries where they allow you to bury your own family members as well, you know, and it does, there's no chemicals involved or whatnot. And uh, you can just be put in the ground any way you want to with the community. And, you know, with hand shovels, you know, from each each person type thing, and you know, it's, it's a big deal, but it's also like honoring a person's life because you get to be around them and every person that was ever important to them gets to share that space with them. I mean, that is, magical you know if, if cancer or something like that or is terminal illness is an early death the one good thing out of that is that you get the time to acknowledge that person and just really make up for something you know or or honor them and then just I was always a, like kind of nervous like someone would just have a heart attack or just someone would just die without being and I was somewhere else and Indonesia or who the hell knows where and then the, and you don't get a chance to to have that so that 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 happens you know and it is really special and that's the one thing you can do in a situation where you're almost out of control yeah you know and my yeah. mother passed at home um with me and Josh there and our son uh and that's what she wanted that was and her, her choice and she chose that which is really beautiful. And it was cannabis that literally made all of the doors open and allowed her to be in a state of love rather than a state of fear. Um, she, she wasn't was even saying, like a normal cannabis smoker, but she was using a lot of edibles and things that we made for her. Yeah. And she was saying uh, the day before she passed, I'm in a lot of pain. And I said, well, let's, let's make you comfortable as you can be. And she said, no, I'm not in a body pain. I'm going through my whole life. I'm going through my whole life and I'm in this state of pain with it. And our son, who is so awesome and intuitive, he was like, well, I'm getting out the volcano. So we went down the street, grabbed Bob Snodgrass's old school volcano and uh, we totally clam baked her and she went from I'm in pain reviewing my life to I have had the most beautiful life. I am reviewing my life with love. I am reviewing my life with openness. And when we die inside of these buildings with rules and regulations, and we and don't monks. get to have that experience and that intimate relationship with plant medicine. It's there for us. We have created it. It has created us. And then whatever last thing that she that said. is so huge. Mm -hmm. So that could have been my mother dying in a hospital in a lot of pain or she could have been in her own room or her spirit us. can lift off yeah. easier like you can say oh i don't know what's happening the spirit's lifting it's lifting you know and you can lift it it's gonna go it's a spirit you know but i mean if you're but it's just like a you know you're you're elevating it and helping it and uh one of the last things she said was that she just really wanted to smoke a lot of cannabis in her next life mm.
Yeah. She said, I need to tell you something. And <laughs> I'm like, that. oh boy, you know, you see it in flop. movies. I'm going to have another sibling or something that she never told me about <laughs> or yeah, something, yeah. you know, something huge. We got another family somewhere. <laughs> she said, I need oh. to tell you something. And this is a woman who took my brick weed when I was in high school and broke the... The the bongs. The, all the bongs and the pipes and you know told me that she didn't want me to talk to her and Shame she said i needed you. to come in close i want to tell you something and i said yeah she said in my next life i'm gonna smoke a lot of weed <laughs> i love and that the the thank you for that soil. yeah and she said and i'm gonna pray for all of the beautiful flowers and the sick soil which is really interesting. Wow. Because that's that interesting, her but life. it wasn't necessarily like her yeah. thing to say. You yeah. Know? So it was definitely something that came to her that she just realized, oh, wow. Like in her reflection of leaving mm -hmm. the earth, that was going to be her blessing for the earth. Is that she recognized the beautiful flowers and she was going to pray for the sick soil, which is really interesting because that's our entire life work. You know, and we even got teased through this last three years. People will be like, what do you know, what do you guys say about these last three years? How do you feel about what's going on or blah, -dee blah, -dee. I'd say we just need to turn to the soil. We don't need to have conversations. We just need to turn to the soil. We need to spark up conversations about the soil. We need to be in the soil. We need to be growing things from the soil. We need to be learning from the soil. We need to have soil as our mentor. And if we could just get back to the soil, then all of this chaos that the Whoa. mind frequency has created will dissipate because the soil literally will consume that negative pathogenic frequency. Just like if you were to pour dirty water through it and now comes clean water that's drinkable. Yeah. Absolutely. It's filtering. It's just exactly. like that. Do you think that your thought process or is your thought process was more aligned like that before you had a regenerative farm? Or mm. do you think that that really added to you seeing the cycle of life, the inputs, the outputs, the flow? Mm. Because the way I wanted to bring it up, but the way you speak about the farm, not only like, oh, well, this plant has an interaction like this. It's like, no. And then there's the birds are an interaction. Mm -hmm. The air is an interaction. Mm -hmm. uh, the, everything about the climate, mm -hmm. you know, like if you could speak on that a little bit, I, I just your mindset is all encompassing and you have a very uh, rare mindset on how things work, which is crazy because it's actually the natural mindset. Mm -hmm. We've just been so removed from it. Mm -hmm. I feel really um, like my original root growing up in Southern Oregon, being born in like the Rogue Valley and then living, you know, in the forest and on streams and really being like pretty connected with nature. It was important to my family. My mom was from the Bronx, moved out of the city. Dad's from Oakland. You know, they, they came together and went back to Southern Oregon. They wanted to to have that natural root. So I feel like I had the initial part of my life in nature and then kind of went des descended into, you know, suburban living styles. Um, but um, as soon as uh, we got together in the, in the nineties, in the early nineties, 93, I feel like we had already uh, really sort of set that, Na nature was going to affect us, you know, that we kind of made like a pact. And when we came, we didn't make a pact like here, you know, but we, we, uh, we, we honored the fact that when we're coming together, we're just going to do devote everything to 
natural living, you know, and then I got to, and then I did building and natural building, you know, and then all through the nineties while she was doing midwifery and herbology, um, herbalism, mycology, uh, we were all just wild crafting and making medicines and connecting with nature and being on farms. And through the nineties, uh, Eugene, was one of the spots where organic farming and, you know, certifications and compost and learning how to grow naturally was coming out of Eugene, you know, and there was a lot of good food. So I feel like we had an amazing root in our growing up without computers. We didn't have computers. We were going to all these things, these festivals and settings all these times and meeting up with people you know, not having a connection, didn't have our location set, you know, we were kind of knew the person and what, you know, and, and we made things. So, uh, you know, and, and through the, the, the mid nineties, we were on a lot of farms, you know, we, we got to see a lot of farms and do the wild crafting. We discovered Nelson and, and the, and the Cooney's, um, in, in the late nineties. And that's when we really realized our our path in the sense of like wow this is going to fully match everything that we dreamed about which was just totally this raw nature just spiritual uplift drinking spring water and and living like some a somewhat of a life that a lot of people really don't want to live a lot of people don't want to live that life when it comes down to it because a lot of people don't live in those areas you know it's cool to visit you know but it's different to survive there and make your own whole entire existence mm -hmm. um and our first garden that we had was a seven hour hike into the woods We're so like, when oh, people ask people ask about how did you all learn closed loop farming? How is it that you had an understanding about treating plants with herbs? It was because all we could bring out there was our son, who was a was one when at the time, one, and two, three, continued, four, five, yeah, continued on. Um, <laughs> we had, really to, helpful, bring, we had to bring, we had to bring him. Yeah, he's great at watering. It went her. from like having a backpack as him to to like, hey, carry this now. Yeah, now <laughs> you're carrying a backpack and you're watering. He did. He was great waterer. Um, but we did that. We learned about nature and we learned about closed loop because we could bring out our backpack, some food, the kid, and then maybe a garbage can. So if we brought out a clean garbage can, then we could stuff it with a bunch of nettles. We could stuff it with whatever, you know, was blooming there at the time. We could rot it into a beautiful stinky brew and we could feed that to the plants. Because if you're going to bring in fish meal, that's going to bring in bears. If you're going to bring in anything from the outside, that's going to bring in you cougars. Bring They're in. very, no very minerals like glacial rock dust because it's just you're surrounded by glaciers. Yeah. Yeah. And just animals are very curious. So if you want to have a garden that isn't into, you know, that the wildlife is not interested in, then it needs to be like its own environment. So we spent nine days looking for our patch and uh, we found a nettle slide because, you know, when an avalanche comes down, it creates a lot of topsoil. And over time, usually an avalanche shoots, you're going to have creek. So we just put hoses inside of creeks. 
We rotted our nettles right on the nettle slide because wherever nettles grows out of, usually you're going to have a nice soil or at least that's starting to become nutrient rich because nettles just make everything nutrient rich. They're vibrant with all of the minerals and all of the vitamins and they're fresh. So you can grow an incredible, beautiful outdoor patch, which I learned about in Alaska by hiking in and doing that with Johnny Appleseed. And so we made gardens way out. I mean, an avalanche, an avalanche is the ultimate growing situation because it, it, of all the teachings. <clears throat> You're getting rocks and minerals from the mountain pushing and breaking trees all the way down so it makes it like a, there's a path where there's no trees zero trees because it just scrapes everything and then at the very bottom it turns a corner and hits something and then just deposits a bunch of trees rocks bushes shrubs and everything and then uh with snow so it's totally aerated and everything. And then by the time, you know, the spring, it all melts down. So it's like the ultimate Hugo culture situation because it's all just trees and rocks. And then if obviously you're not there necessarily when the avalanche shoot was created, but it's been there for, you know, a hundred or a thousand years. And then, but then there may be one that season, you know, and then it has to melt first, but then you, it, but thimble berries and all these bushes grow and you can take like a Pulaski and just turn in like the bushes into the soil on top of trees on top of rocks and all this stuff and then just nettles growing everywhere which sting you which is good for you because it stimulates your blood it sucks kind of but when you're just like all right well i'm getting stung you know you just use the nettles and then the water comes down and then you just gravity feed you know your plot in the in the middle of the mountains like maybe there's a patch six hours inland that's far most people don't do that we just loved it we wanted to be in the trees in the old growth and then when you sit and look at the old growth and in the on the ground you start seeing like the ground and the lumps and you're like well this all those old trees are the ground and the biggest oldest trees are growing out of lumps in the ground which are old trees you know the trees just had layers and layers of constantly layering and fullering and mulching itself and then growing out of the log because that, that's its carbon source that's its fungi the fungi are eating all of that creating the the web that might the mycelial web of communication which is pulsing nutrients sugars and information interspecies between different species and supporting each other as a whole it's the perfect thing to help you realize everyone can be different and come together to make the most most beautiful thing on earth and we've it's taken that biodiversity yep. that cultural diversity that really sets it off and then so if you can create a farm yep like that then you start getting that patterning in your life every day your farm's not an old growth intact nature forest but what it is is an interactive environment that you're creating shade you're creating canopy layers levels you're mulching you're cutting back you're you're knowing what a plant's going to do you're you're giving it space to bloom flower feed bugs it, 
balance the environment, give you smells and terpenes and things that really light, like lift you. You're, you're walking through mint, whatever it is, it's uplifting. You know, I mean, that's why we've created a regenerative farm because we just wanted to live that type of And then of we've taken this life. same exact seven hours out creating that farm in the middle of a huge, massive forest. And we've put it into every single consultation. We've put it into every single education, our farm, other people's farms, the idea of layering, the idea of multi-species, polyculture. Natural And farming. not just, and, and also when you, when you are just watching nature without having the human monkey mind about it, and you just... For me, I got down to the very basics of like nature, every single thing that nature does is to make soil. Every single process of nature is soil creation. And soil. And if we can take that same education and that same idea into our lives, into our conversations, into the gardens that we build, into the medicine that we grow, into the food into that the we laws grow, that we create. Then we're actually taking that essential intuition, intuitive, authentic relationship with health. We're not having health. I'm not like, oh, I'm so healthy because I'm taking seven pharmaceuticals. Who's nobody said that? Nobody ever said that. I'm so much healthier because I'm taking seven pharmaceuticals. People say I'm way healthier because I'm not taking anything and I'm taking all of those lessons from nature. And then we start to be able to unravel what it is that creates good medicine, what it is that creates good cannabis. How are we going to sit here and have these amazing conversations if we're not smoking cannabis that doesn't have that same intelligence? We want our cannabis to be intelligent because we don't want to just get high. We want to sit here and we want to have this awesome, great frequency vibrational conversation because we're ingesting something that's teaching us that. And that's the same with every meal. And that's the same with every water that we should be drinking. But we're dumbing ourselves down with creating that break and exactly what Josh was just explaining that ever present nature layering is the actual act of health and wellness. Wow. It's, uh, and it's like, just so people know listening, there's silence because. With thought process like that, I have to actually think through that. That's that's deep. I've never thought of it like that, that it's all going towards the soil, which makes total sense because without that, without great soil, without a great base in a person and every anything grows. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's not just plants, that's Waters, people, water, that's everything. that's where love grows. Yeah. And then that goes exactly to the same conversation that we were having before is that 
if we're not utilizing that intelligence of the soil, then we're utilizing a human-based intelligent that got A pluses in school and that tells you that you're intelligent. But what that intelligence is, is the NPK system, is the, the food that is packaged, packaged food that has all of these different isolates that just is telling you it's food. It's the poisoning of the water. All of that is creating that brain in our ultimate intelligence and where we need to go. So we can never get there unless we just go back to the soil. Do you think a plant can tell if, if it's just bags of salt that have been mined from the earth, obviously, and broken mm-hmm. down, almost like pharmaceutical grade, sterile, mm-hmm. sterile nutrients mm-hmm. versus something like regenerative farming or natural process? Well, the plant's going to be able to grow in both mm-hmm. but you take that plant that's and everyone's i want to give like the, the whole acknowledgement that like just because we're talking about values and health and what it doesn't mean that we have achieved everything that we want to and that everyone's not amazing and We're doing their best based off their environment based <laughs> off what's given to them so just full acknowledgement that everyone's yeah. amazing and doing their their yeah. thing the way they need to mm-hmm. and with the plant with humans like a, you know a plant that's in a salt or a more synthetic situation rock will totally it's going to have a hard time in the soil for a minute it's it's not just that you take that plant and you put it in the soil and all of a sudden it's going to turn into the plants that you see. I've 100% uh-huh. seen that. Yeah. yeah, yeah so, yeah. I mean, yeah. so, which what, is interesting in and of itself. That is interesting. Well, I've well, never well, brought it up, but that's, yeah. yeah. And, and that, that's so you're going to need some time for the soil to start communicating with the plant so that the plant can start communicating with the soil and so that it can readjust how it makes roots. Because the roots that grow in, in a water situation or, a, you know, they can have hairs and things that come off, but they're, they're hardened off. They don't have the fine fungal filaments, the, the, the hyphae. They just can't. They can't. And that's okay. They're, they're growing in a different way. You take that and you put it into a soil that's proper, that's aerated, you know, that has everything it needs living soils you know organisms whatever it is and it's going to start teaching the plant how to make new roots in order to communicate with that soil in order to break down the nutrients that it's going to need in order to continue its evolution based off whether it's vegging or flowering or whatnot you know it's life cycle and you can be fed by a feeding tube which you're going to survive off of and that's not actually food you can survive but it's going to bypass the whole biology inside of your body, which actually breaks down the food to a more intelligent matter that's going to get, you know, allow you to thrive more. So plants definitely can survive off of the NPK system. Humans can survive off of you know, tube feeding. But are they thriving? Which is also really interesting because of you know, tissue culturing. 
we talk a lot about tissue culturing and people want to bring back the genetics and, you know, they're just like, whoa, this thing is like now, you know, has a plethora of different viruses in it. It's got all kinds of pests on it. It really isn't producing that same terpene profile that it was before. Or the cannabinoid and people profile. then say, hey, mm -hmm. well, then let's put it into a tissue culture, but it really needs to be called tissue no culture. Because they're taking away the entire culture from that plant to then put it into another what kind of system. So we actually can clean these strains by putting them into a very deep soil rich culture. And then the plant is going to be able to reach its ultimate potential because it's filled with a healthy beneficial endophytic system. So that the, the bacteria and the fungi that's, you know, going through it is going to produce that ultimate potential terpene profile, cannabinoid profile, that feeling the that thials, you're always looking the to esters, it, the it. flavonoids, the amino yeah. acids, the everything. In the yeah. Plant. So yeah. are we doing the best thing that we can by the plant, uh, by putting it into a totally synthetic system? I mean, I would have to say no, bluntly. It isn't that I'm going to judge you for, you know, the gardens that you're growing and, and that you're doing that system. Maybe that's the only education that you've had and that you know of growing. But I think what we would do is really encourage you to have a better relationship with cannabis and grow the fire by growing an actual flower that has ultimate intelligence so that it's going to give you that higher vibration rather than just get you high. Like we want to actually get high. We actually want to elevate. So let's use cannabis to elevate, but let's use an intelligent cannabis to elevate us. And we can cultivate that intelligent cannabis by utilizing healthy soil. Also with antibiotics and pharmaceuticals in the human body, you know, that's the same type of loss, you know, biology. It takes rebuilding your flora inside your body in order to come back to a health where your immune system is stimulated enough to eat pathogens when they come in. You know, that's the whole entire thing of wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. If you have like an intelligent body it's not a problem. It's 100% how you stay healthy by breathing in everything. We are talking about aspergillus and microbe testing on flowers in Oregon and California. Everywhere. And it's the most ridiculous, disconnected conversation from really reality than that you could imagine. Because I mean, it's almost like if you take that gamma radiated flower out of a container and just hold it in the air, aspergillus <laughs> is one of the most, you know, and aspergillus is just a, an umbrella where there's thousands of aspergillus. You just in breathed there. in some. I'm you were just talking it, right it. You just breathed it in. Or even mold spores. <laughs> I mean, when, you, when you're working on an organic farm or working with soil, it's good for you. It, it's healthy for you to live on a natural farm and work with compost and work with soil. It's just in breathing in air from the forest. The forest is breathing. You're breathing in air. There's dust. Driving around the city, if you don't, wa if you don't wash your car... Filthy. It's amazing dust. I mean, you're breathing it in and you should be. You should be breathing it in. It's how you progress your genome.
It's how you protect your Build genetic your coding. It's those viruses yeah. and those pathogens in the air trigger our body to be healthy. And that is what health is. And so we are living um, a, a natural life in that way to stimulate ourselves and, and keep ourselves healthy. So it's the same with the soil, you know, you have to rebuild the flora and it's the same in agricultural farming. There's a basic stripping of life in so many ways, like the antibiotics, the pharmaceuticals, the synthetic farming, forestry, the way that forestry is done and slash and burning techniques, slash and burning has taken away the sticks and the carbon. We're all trying to save carbon and the whole entire forestry associations, you know, are, are just burning sticks rather than being required to dig them back in. Like they have all the equipment in the world for extracting wood, but they just cannot figure out making it valuable to re put the sticks in the, in the, in the ground. So they pile it up and they gasify the carbon right there. They're stripping the forests of biology. They're stripping the farms and the lands, the waters all stripped. It's really got it really takes us rebuilding that to really come come back to our center and that's that's what a lot of people are doing there's over a million acres that have been transferred you know to regenerative farming for that reason to try and save waterways and i think a lot of people are coming to uh learn more about natural healing and and herbal medicine and herbology for a source of health especially based off what happened in the last three years and people trying to regain their health well, because not, a lot of people are having difficult times yeah we're not we're not having faith in our medical system because it's not a health system it's a pharmaceutical system and what if we actually saw sterilized as dirty? What if we just were able to switch our mind and realize that sterilized means dirty? And But we're always trying to reach that to be able to get rid of something, to get rid of something that's dirty. We keep making it more dirty. We have to reprogram our thought process. Because I think a lot, like me personally, I can speak for obviously not, not anyone else, but uh, the things that feel unnatural are actually the most natural. And that makes me think, oh, wow, I've been tricked. I tricked myself or my environment tricked me or. You've been taught to believe different. That's yeah. true. And, you know, and so know. certain things yeah. we, we've been speaking on, I'm like, oh man, it's that feels so out there. And then I'm like, why does it feel so out there? that like not even that's a really good point like moving back into nature and growing back and then even bringing a plant back like oh sterilize it you know bring it to a cell and then bring it back up someone that years and years ago who passed away modern epigenetics my buddy michael uh, who actually got murdered over a plant wow he was big on that was like give me eight months with a hurt plant and i'll get you back what you lost over 15 years with certain strains and he would always preach this to me and I always would just get a kick out of him because of his energy and like how passionate he was and how he just would relentlessly try to just, you know, explain how things work. And I, I, I used to love it. But yeah, he was the first person who ever brought that to my plate. And it makes so much sense that one of the things we speak about a lot is like, what happened to sticky weed? Why right. it's like, and it's like, Sticking what happened buttons. to these genetics we've lost and yeah. what happened to, and some people have these strains, like we have a strain I've, I've had for 18 years and it's hurt. 
And she, of course, mm-hmm. she's been around for, she's been in multiple gardens and she went through the, you know, illegalization process too, where she had to move houses and she had to get moved mm-hmm. around a lot. There was a lot of hurricanes, power outages. You already know, oh, yeah. you know, 18 <laughs> years of growing. And to bring that back is so interesting. I, I do think that's the way. Mm-hmm. The, the more and more I talk to growers, there's two ways to go about it. And like, yeah, the sterilization method, but to the most uh, intelligent growers I've been around, when they talk <laughs> about eight months to a year and being able to bring this plant back to its original process mm-hmm. and heal it through natural processes, <clears throat> it's the most enticing. And I think we need to get back there because like sour diesel, all these genetics that are hurt or lost, people don't know what to do with. They don't know yeah. how to bring them back. That's Share a huge with conversation. Their buddy the who's whole, a regenerative uh, farmer, they could just take a cutting and say, "Here, I really want to save this plant." And the hemp plant. So here we are now, wanting well. to join yes. forces. But also, I wanted to talk just for a second about mm-hmm. you said, "Why is it that some of the things that feel so right and are so natural are something that seems out there or whatever?" Mm-hmm. What if, because we are a skin and a soul that's inside of this body that has trillions of living, intelligent microbiology that if your body is filled with the intelligent microbiology rather than the pathogenic microbiology, then that's really going to indicate how it is that we feel and think. And your decision-making It's very skills. interesting. I've always wanted to test like people who are incredibly violent and they don't know where that is coming from. Is that their intuition? Is that their soul path? Is that how they came in? I would say, no, let's test their microbiology. And we would probably be able to find pathogenic, aggressive microbiology that's totally alive Survival and mode. well inside of that human being and mass. So now we're wondering, is the person thinking or is the biology thinking? So the more that we ally with soil that has this incredible microbiology, that has good intelligence, that all happens to be beneficial, then we are continuously flooding our body with that. And then we are allowed and we allow ourselves to think in a higher format rather than to have information brought to us that we know is right, but yet we see it as pathogenic. It's no difference than when you're on a diet or whether you're trying to give up, you know, any kind of a drug or tobacco. It's not you that's saying, oh, dude, I just want to have a smoke of that sick. Fuck, I just want. It's not you. It's the microbiology that lives off of that. Oh, I got to have that donut. I just woke up. It's three o'clock in the morning. I'm on this fucking cleanse. Who got me into this? This fucking sucks. That's not our intuitive soul path nature. That's the pathogenic fungi and bacteria inside of you that needs to be fucking fed. It's interesting. And that is a thought processes in how our plants are thinking and feeling and reacting and how we are thinking and feeling and reacting. Can you guys get a little uh, into, since we're on this path of uh, the food? Because I see in like Russia, they just ban genetically modified food, Mm -hmm. which seems smart. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's like, that's a whole, that's something that never gets talked about. and. Mm -hmm. It's a scary thing because most the the highest form of why 
cancer even exists is from food. Yeah. It's something you're putting into your and body drinks, every single sodas day. Sodas and juice, you know what's like real weird shit. when you said this. And then you got diabetes too, and it's like oh everything. I heard a guy guy say if you if you want to know how to get diabetes, go on the USDA and follow that diet, and you'll get <laughs> diabetes. Yeah, he's like, no, yeah. seriously, that's what. And it's, it's crazy, and it's like, damn. And he and he says how many billions they do per year just from diabetes, insulin, whatever, right? And it just, it's just nuts because like, I've, I've had a few friends get diabetes that were active. They run a lot. They're in the gym. They're not fat. Like in shape. And he's like, I got diabetes. I got to take, take my blood now and take insulin. I'm like, what? Crazy. It's weird that genetically modified, uh, meat sounds way out there i know but they've been doing it to plants for a long time and no one said not a lot of people stand up and say much about it or we don't even know it's not a an average person type of thought but if you put the chicken that's been genetically modified or grown you're like whoa what is this Mm -hmm. but then the piece of corn in front of you also is Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um i mean and they've been doing it i mean they've they've won the nobel peace prize you know the nobel peace prize for it and stuff so it just tells you you know where the the world's at with the whole concept that we need mass farming to feed the people is actually if you think about it another disconnect from power because the farm indian farm protest that happened in india for almost over a year you know in the last couple years people can look it up and vandana shiva speaks about it often and it's the whole entire thing that most of the food produced in India are produced in small farm cooperatives. And it's one of the most populated places on earth. You know what I mean? There's people everywhere and there's hard, cold numbers on small farm cooperatives on people working together. Agriculture is partly, there's a culture to working in the field and enjoying it. And it's not to, I'm not saying that everyone that works in the field, like, yay, look at my life. I'm in the field. Cause I, I know that's not real, but I'm just saying on far, smaller farms, you're getting closer towards believing in what you're growing, deciding to grow something different, bringing different foods to the market. We need more diversity in our life, in our foods. We need to get away from just broccoli and eat, you know, five different colors of broccoli. And the only way we can have that is from people growing them and and seeking out different heritage seeds and bringing it back, you know. And if you're in a giant farm, you know, they have to have the big broccoli heads because of numbers and weight and all that but on a smaller farm you can grow it in a way that works for your farm and get it to the market the point is that there's numbers on you can grow more quantity with a higher quality with the small farm cooperatives and they were they were trying to create larger gmo style uh cooperative farm growing where farmers have to buy their seed they're not able to grow their own seed and really the far those chemical companies in the end end up owning your land you're not even your landowner anymore what you are is a person that goes out there with the machine they bought and you just go uh and you just spray chemicals or have airplanes fly over and drop glyphosate or whatever it is onto all the whole entire land 
kill all the biology, uh, kill all the weeds, which we just got done with this whole entire description on what you would do with (laughs) weeds and the whole magic of weeds. Mm -hmm. And now we have this other model, which we're talking about mainstream food production, especially in California, because it's like number one in the world, one of them. It's really a monoculture crazy zone. Which is important. We need to we need to be eating intelligent food. We need to be eating food that you know. We could have a conversation about just which Josh just sparked me. That's going to come full circle. Full circle here is that the word agriculture. We're taking the culture out of agriculture. And we can even say, is it, we, when we say what, what, what is the word or the definition of culture, we immediately think of people who have different religions, people who have different colors, or they might wear different clothes. They think different ways. They eat different food. That's a culture. But that culture comes from the place where they live. If we just looked at that, we're all human beings and that we're different cultures because of the areas that we live in, you can also determine the health and well-being of those particular cultures attached to that place on the earth because that's a healthy place on earth or because it's a not healthy place on earth. So many people are living in cities, but there's no culture in the cities, but yet they use the term multicultural. You go to the city to gain culture, but no, no, you go to the city to be devoid of culture. So it's all these interesting plays on words to confuse us so that we don't have intelligent food, so that we don't have intelligent water and living water that we're drinking, so that we ruin the air so that the ethos that we breathe is also unintelligent. So when you're going to the grocery store, if you're thinking, hey, I want to be a better person, then what's the most intelligent and the best vibing food there? What's going to have the highest culture? So, but yet we say we're devoid of culture. So we need to feed ourselves of something. So we might go to a play and I'm not saying the arts isn't amazing. It's really important. It gives us another culture that we need within us but it isn't the only culture. So I would just like to challenge that term culture, recognize that we're all human beings living in different landscapes and in different areas and different terroirs, different soils, plants that come out of those soils. When we're importing, exporting all of our own food, our body and our own microculture is confused by it not getting what it needs from where you're living. So we're in a constant state of confusion by drinking the water that may come from there and breathing in the air, but we're not eating the food. We're eating food that comes from Mexico that has a totally different culture. So what is it that we're doing to the intelligence within our body? It's just interesting to think about it. 
I mean, uh, you can definitely bring, you know, make uh, the victory gardens that happened, like did produce a lot of foods and yards, you know? So that's also a way of building soil in your yards, even the raised beds and stuff. So I, I think even if you want like good food, it's kind of hard to find. And we just came from an herbal conference uh, where herbalists were getting together and there's a lot of regulations coming with compounded herbs. Like if you want multivitamins, uh, this is mainly in Canada, there was just laws Anything passed. that's not a pharmaceutical. So uh, I, all I'm saying is like, so uh, with her, the, it's, it's gonna, it takes, um, you kind of have to like go the extra mile to really get the, the best type of foods and, and medicine is what I'm saying, you know, and even if it is in your, backyard i feel like it's it's something that you can or or a community gardens there's a lot of community gardens which you're building soil and you're building friendships and you're creating habitat especially in cities there's tons of them it's super awesome i really love it um and uh that that's probably the best thing we can do like you know as as a species is just grow more of our own food to take off the grid and then, and, and then also be able to grow different and also seeking out different kinds of seed. That's probably one of the more important mm -hmm. things to do too, is to like look for different, like unique seed companies. There's some really cool ones out there and, and it's really kind of like, you know, maybe land race genetics with ganja, you know, I mean, everyone, you know, there's, there's production gardens that need to make money. And then there's like someone's land where they can play around with different genetics, which might be a place where the sticky bud <laughs> comes back from because someone had a moment to grow different stuff, you know? So, you know, if you, if you can have a piece of land that's, or, or help someone with the piece of land. You know, it's fun to, to, to grow plants and see what potatoes look like and all the different vining beans or the bush, bushy beans, different berries, superfood berries, you know, I mean, it's really a lifetime of, of interest because no matter how many times you grow a garden or add something new to your garden, there's a forever amount of new things to get. So it's a, a fun story in the way of like, you know, saying, oh, well, I, you know, I was attracted towards this bioregion. And Los Angeles is one of the coolest places in the world for an environment to grow different species. Like you could grow so many different kinds of plants here and have like this type of garden that not a lot of people can have, you know, because the environment's set for it. So I, I, I think that would be fun, you know. If, and if then I, you're taking in a little bit of the culture that's from here. And I encourage people to, you know, if they're going to the dispensary, say, hey, what's local to here? In the same way that you go to a produce stand or you say, hey, what's the local watermelon or what's the local produce? And then not only are we supporting our own community but we're really partaking in the culture mm -hmm. of where our community are. and where we are yeah and, the, and yeah. you know all this is why we created the pure certification in 2014 which is one of the first is uh, you know cannabis certifications out there there was clean green at the time um, and they were charging people a certain amount of money and there was all kinds of different levels and tiers to the way they were charging to bring clean cannabis to the market because there was no one regulating it. 
And since cannabis is a, a dynamic accumulator and a sentient being, you know, it can be potentially not good for you, you know, and that's why there's so much testing and all this stuff. So anyway, we create a certification that you have to grow food. So part of like, if you see a pure certified farm out there in California and you see their herb out there, that farm is growing food as well. And they're growing flowers and they're creating an environment outside of the cannabis because cannabis was like starting to be grown everywhere because we we started our dragonfly earth medicine in 2007 and we've been working with companies organic companies indoors outdoors creating soils all that this this whole entire time to you know help up uplift and so we created you know an amazing uh certification so that people that were getting something from you know that farm they knew that they were also providing food good food that we're talking about that we need you know what i mean for their community and also environment to live so it's not just uh problems out there you know there's a, a ton of solutions and and these this these the certification is so many amazing farms that we really consider family i mean they're friends and family yeah. that we you know we look to on on a lot of levels you know as a friend level we create co-create businesses together options buying whatever it is selling you know whatever it is and it's a little answer, you know, to trying to create a new paradigm and be a continuous source of all the people that we've learned from in our life, you know, that are all the mentors. We wanted to continue that free energy, free education, free sourcing, you know, to bring everyone up so our certification is free. But to have the certification, you have to have six closed loop systems, which means you have to have on your farm or indoors, you know, which is only the one indoor farm, but they have this whole spectacular outdoor farm, which is Green Life Productions in Nevada. And they're amazing. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> is that, you know, they're, they're just creating multi layers to uh, creating a better world. Let's just, let's just put it that way, you know? And I think that also with a certification, it was sort of a big F you, it was a big F you to the organic certification because the USDA organic certification, you can follow it to the T and then your weed gets tested and maybe even your <laughs> weed passes, but then you give it to a concentrator, you give it to a hash artist that's doing the work and then that's not going to pass. And Early so we started realizing yeah. that so much of the amendments that people were adding is actually adding toxicity that's not going to pass. And we all know that any farmer, they can't lose an entire crop. If there's a farmer that loses a crop, then they are going to have to shut it down and sell the farm or sell the facility they're in. We we can't do that. It's it's the reason why so much shit weed gets pushed out there also is, is because there has to be a survival from the cultivator and from where it's coming from as well. <laughs> so by creating the pure certification, we realized that if we're a first party certification and we're not following the USDA then we can incorporate all these different 
things and ideas for the farmer to have better success and that they know that when their flour goes to testing or the concentrates that they do goes to testing, that it's a hundred percent going to pass and they're not going to have any issues whatsoever. Now dealing with the aspergillus and all of that, that's a whole different conversation. They're trying to get us through the back door. That's a way, just like they did with Oregon Tilth, is they continue to shut down intelligent community run, community run, community monitored. And the pure certification is community run now. It's community monitored. It's free. It's always been free. Because what are we going to do? Like charge a farmer to prove that they're already doing magical things and creating medicine for human beings on the planet. That doesn't make any sense. What it was, was an award like, yay, you get the pure certification because you're so fucking rad and you're growing amazing medicine. We always have the conversation that cannabis is good for you, but we never have the conversation of what is good cannabis. We just assume, oh, well, then you're smoking cannabis. It's good for you. But just like what we were talking about with the plant medicine that's being led in, just because you're having a plant medicine session, there's a real difference in sitting by a campfire being on the seventh floor in a padded room. There's a really big difference of smoking totally chemical weed and smoking something that's totally natural. And I feel like it's not because people are doing bad things or wanting to not put out something good. It's just we're lacking the education and the certification has created us all to be on the same page where not only is it a part of it that you have to have a pollinator garden and you have to have a food garden, but you also have to be an educator. You have to be open to give away all of your SOPs so that all of the rest of your community is being educated as well so that we can all get on the same page. And then that sharing creates a format that we all just get better. You know, I love, yeah, it it creates it. And then now everybody out on the peer certification is incredible educators in the community. And now everybody can learn from their local people on how to do it better rather than shaming for, you know, where we've come from. We all came from basements. It's very illegal. Some of us are still growing illegally. Especially in Europe. Yeah. It's some of us are still doing that, but so we didn't, we didn't have that ability to share. So the more that we can share, we can, you know, as, as the tide rises, all boats rise. So you get into the certification and you know, this is your path. How do you get into the amendments? And the, cause I love your foliar, mm-hmm. the DEM foliar we we've used since we landed in California. As soon as nice. I found out about it, it's been a weekly foliar I use consistently. Uh, and then I got put onto your cocoa, which is like a whole other, I mean, that's on nice. that. It's funny when I, when we when in back conversations with growers, the two things I get brought up are like your amendments. And then always the second conversation is like, have you had their cocoa? And it's like, yeah, it's fire. Nice. Super fire. We always had that belief. And part of the, also the pure certification is just having like soaps and cleaners in your house that like, you know, are, are healthy. And so anyway, eating and, and having energy while you're in the garden. So, you know, the cocoa gives you a lot of energy. 
And that's what we drink a lot in the day is like big jars of cocoa with like medicinal mushrooms in it. So that was always the thing too, is like, we didn't like call it like cacao or whatever, cause it could be cocoa or cacao. We buy uh, fermented raw cacao from Southern, you know, from South out from, uh, not, uh, from like Ecuador and Ecuador, Peru and whatnot, yeah. you know, it's we, beautiful. It's a farm, organic, farmer's co you know. cooperative in Ecuador. Yeah. Um, and so it's beautiful yeah. cacao, but we sort of wanted to call it cocoa and put, medicinal mushrooms in it to be just like you're just think you're just drinking cocoa but when you get into it there's chaga reishi and cordyceps you know and and then the herbal one has nettles and, and alfalfa a little bit in there as well because you know there's a, there's just such a more minerals and nutrients in there so it's just super energetic and like coffee you know gives you a certain kind of high and then sort of goes down some somewhat fast like the cocoa just sort of lasts and it really replenishes your body with good energy so We've always worked with mushrooms and medicinal mushrooms um, in in our products. Uh, we don't have medicinal mushrooms in our in our uh, like garden products, but we promote putting them into the soil or teas on your land. You know, to get those kind of teas into your plants because they're good for plants as well. And the garden yeah. products definitely came from the seven hour hike garden. And the pregnancy That's where tea. they came from, yeah. And then you mix it with, I uh, always am growing and collecting herbs to create a pregnancy tea blend or a nutrient-rich tea blend or a calcium-rich tea blend for whatever my patients. I no longer call people patients or clients. Everybody's a gem. So now the gems that I work with um, creating these tea blends. And one year I just had an overabundance of pregnancy tea blend. And I thought, hey, I wonder what it would be to ferment this and then feed this on my female plants. If like, it's growing a perfectly it's beautiful a baby, tea for then a why years. wouldn't it be growing a healthy, beautiful female plant? And so we couldn't believe the results. And that really was the transition of closed loop agriculture and moving into herbal remedies for your garden. So we, so started we took that all of the herbalism. We took all of the herbalism. And if you have a sick plant, I look at the gem in the same way that I'll look at a gem. So the plant gem and the human gem. And then we really can treat them in the same way. So all of our herbal blends come from fermented tea blends. We always tell all of the ingredients on it exactly how much we put in there because we really want people to grow their own nutrients because it's yes, better. this is the herbs, but this is not going to have the culture. It has bacteria in it and we have fungi in all of our products, but it's not the culture that comes from your own gardens. So if you're growing your own biomass and you're creating your own herbs and your own nutrients for your gardens, as well as for your family, then you're uptaking that culture. So the plant blew up. We couldn't believe it. Oh my freaking God, best flowers ever. And then started to treat the plant 
like a totally feminine being, adding all of the different feminine herbs, adding the calcium rich herbs and all of these different things that I've always been treating my gems and with. And going beyond NPK because there really was a lot more NPK at the time. Yeah. And when we started the company and started going out to the initial, you know, all the big, you know, uh, in, you know, cannabis events, you know, from, ma from maximum yield to high times to whatever <laughs> it was, you know, we would be there and talking about herbs for teas to add to compost or to add to some kind of living high biology because the biology would come alive in the tea and eat the herbs. And when the biology eats the herbs, it excretes what the plant can take up. So that's instead of synthetic feeding, you have this process that an organism has to eat something in order to excrete it, to make it available, bioavailable to the plant. So uh, a lot of people told us, oh, well, you have to get uh, like a cartoon character or some kind of like yeah, a different label. You're missing a cartoon character. And the glass is, is too, too heavy. The glass is too heavy. Missing a cartoon character. And for, oh, their brand. For, for our brand, Dragonfly yeah. Earth yeah. Medicine. Oh, really? Industry. Yeah. In the beginning, like be in the early yeah. on, like in 2008, Great. 10, 12, 11, 12 mm -hmm. people were like mm -hmm. coming out. Yeah. Like think about, mergers, think about the wagers, nutrient company, companies. Yeah. They're all just like, you know, this like <laughs> full on like kaboom, like check it out, you know, and then Marking. you have bottles. Yeah, well, it's, and then Max it's whatever it is, you know. Yeah. What we have is a reusable ball jar or mason jar, which is something you can use that nutrient. And then in the end, you can preserve kimchi and make sauerkraut if you want or to. Or put your buds in there. You know? That's exactly right. Um, yeah. If, you know, how, how regenerative is that? Yeah. And that's that, the nutrient that goes in the soil that same jar could end up being used for the flowers when that process is finished. That's pretty and cool. And there's a really cool electronic vacuum sealers that you can get, you know, on Amazon for super, and I don't, don't want to promote Amazon, but whatever online you can find them <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, and some stores, uh, there are electronic vacuum sealers for your ball jar, which is like, just like, so you can just like put weed in a jar and vacuum seal it super and then put fresh. it into a cold dry New spot, tech. preserve the terps. Don't open the jar. Tell your, you're ready to consume the jar don't continue saying smell the jar check out the jar because the jar is like in a process where if you keep it cool out of sunlight unopened like that will last a full year with super good quality by three to six months it goes through a transformation where the flavor evolves in a, in, a, in a way it matures and it does it like wine does you know i mean it's it, it, there's an, an aging a curing technique to like a properly dried flower that's stored well that some you know strains really ex you know they 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 excel at that you know like the, that few months in and like we've always been annual farmers we've done indoor growing we've helped indoor growing we've learned how to create our own soil in 1999 when when we first moved uh, to be self-reliant, we started making our own soils right away. So we we're immediately using rock dusts and clay and herbs like nettles, kelp, alfalfa, the standard ones that you see. Now we've basically been making that same soil mix since, and it came from, you know, nurseries and stuff so anyway so that was you know just a way to like really just just get into it all but um and one thing that you just said um is that you know there's that process of 
microbiology eating the plant, microbiology eating the herbs, and then exuding that. So in our products, that's what it is. It's sort of like fast nature in a jar because you're, you have the herbs and then you put it into water and then that consumes the herbs and then that's what the plant can uptake. So yet again, it's showing the intelligence of nature that if we bypass that, that it's, the plant doesn't just uptake herbs. It can't until the microbiology breaks it down. And it's the exudates of that microbiology that allows the plant to be able to grow in the same way that we grow or get nutrients from our food. So yet again, we are just not feeding plants. We are aiding plants to grow by helping them along the way, but we allow nature and biology plants to feed to the feed plants. plants. Let's let plants feed plants. That's mm -hmm. a higher intelligence. And really, Natural it's death. so much easier. Decay, mulch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mulch love. You know, it's uh, something to get good at. <laughs> you know, like in life, it's funny that we talked Larry. about both those, but it's the truth is like a, the, the, the death's process of the all the weeds and the different many as you can get, you know, yeah. create the life, the most intense life. What but are that, some good plants to grow side by side with cannabis? Whatever potatoes. Yeah. Is one yeah, of that's the ones food. that potatoes always are come amazing. up. Cause you know, a lot of times people use, you know, potatoes as a starch to grow indigenous microorganisms so you're gonna you get soil from nature in a sweet spot somewhere you went on a hike somewhere that you like somewhere that has trees in a cool environment it smells good it feels good not toxic not on the side of the road not sprayed natural you can take a little bit of that you know and grow it in water, you know, with potatoes and your starter. And yeah. So you can use soil as your starter potatoes, for your compost. Anyway, also potatoes in the soil, like yes. build the soil up. And once you start like in a nat natural setting and you start growing potatoes somewhere, like on our farm, like you can't stop potatoes from growing there. They just keep growing next year because you don't get them all. There's some left over and they grow. They even like we have snow this high over winter and stuff on our BC farm and everything just grows back as soon as it warms up and what's really cool about the potato is that we started doing that because if you look at a lot all of the old herbology books they talk about the power of a potato you can grow you can um grate a potato and put it on an infected area on your body women can use it for mastitis on their breast which is an infection in your breast usually during, during breastfeeding, breastfeeding. A lot of it times. can be in other times we can get different mastitis but infections. And when you put that starchy, sugary poultice, which is the grated potato on that infected area, then the microbiology that is causing that infection, that pus is going to come out of your skin and go into the potato because it's a way better, fast, fun sort of McDonald's food is the potato over your body so that the infection will come out and into the potato. Turn the potato and black. And when you grow potatoes, yeah, it turns the potato totally black. Wow. 
if you have the infection. And you can actually determine what type of fungi or staphylococcus or types of infection that you have in you by what the color of the potato and what it looks like. Now, then we started thinking, oh, hey, if somebody's having an infection in their soil with different types of heavy pathogens, um, then why not grow potatoes? You can even so grow we the started potato growing and potatoes. Kill the plant and let the potato rot in the soil. Yeah. And see what the infection is. Yeah. But the idea is but that the potatoes don't rot, they the, regrow. The but. infection or the pathogen, such as the pythium or whatever else is in there, is going to go to the potato plant over your cannabis plant because it's a way starchier and faster food. And then we started doing this and we were telling all of the pure certification, hey, you guys, do fingerlings, do this. They're like, whoa, I just harvested like 2,000 pounds of potatoes along with my thousand pounds of cannabis and we're distributing potatoes to all of the dispensaries and the dispensary owners and now we've got this incredible closed loop system and we didn't have to replant potatoes because they just like josh said they, they just keep grow, growing and growing they grow and growing low. they grow low yeah, they're low and you can get and they're uh, nightshades 50 different kinds of colors of yeah. potatoes and sizes so that's fun too oh yeah. i got this kind of potato i got this one da 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 that's fun beets carrots root crops roots are good in the in the ganja because same thing you know they're uh, breaking parse, up the parsnips, soil uh yeah they're they're breaking and also providing food like you can eat the greens from the beets and cut them like chard you can grow chard you could have a whole chard thing and and you could have your chard and, and every time you eat it you you know get recharted yeah you know, after, <laughs> sorry <laughs> it's grandpa jokes no we can't even say dad jokes i love that no i love that but you know so food you know a lot of people well, go and you have to think about also i just want to sorry to interject the canopy when you're growing big plants it's going to be shady underneath those big plants so you can grow things that need more sunshine but if it's going to be underneath and on the interior of that drip line of the plant then you can do salad greens you can do potatoes like we were talking that doesn't Shady need a lot of with. sunshine so when you were asking what kind of plants like to grow with cannabis all plants love to grow with cannabis i mean we all like to hang out with cannabis Marigold, the plants do too so grow what thrives in your area area and your zone and then keep adding things to the diversity and then you can find out we we were up in northern india and we went to um the the cora the, par, the parvati valley and we went to the cora which is where the dalai lama oh, in, yeah, in dharamsala does the sacred walk which is the cora and there was some dying marigolds there and they're the huge big marigolds and we we're like well shit i mean every dying marigold is a is a hundred you know or 150 seeds in there so we grabbed a couple and we um smuggled them back <laughs> so how crazy is that though that that's another thing that that back right. in the day people would trade seeds and trade herbs and trade things and you would take them to other places to share with people and now it's like you have to smuggle seeds from a plant that's not even illegal oh i know that and into a country that more allows regulation more, that keeps a, true culture away into a country that allows more glyphosate and defoliant to be sprayed on their property than any other country on earth but yet they're 
deathly afraid of you bringing a seed with the biology that comes from it. It's like pretty wild. And we're educated that that's correct. And that we got A pluses for learning that this system makes all the sense in the world. Um, part of being an annual farmer, living on the land, having a child, doing homeschooling, uh, we allowed us to travel in the world, you know, in the winter. And it was part of our integration of showing, you know, the, our child different places and, and going to cool places, doing festivals and all that as well. So we, it was fun. It wasn't just isolation homeschool mode. It was super awesome. But we would go to Bali and Indonesia for a super long time and help with uh, birthing and midwifery clinics and also food, health and well-being of like women and children and, and seeing like the production of placentas and stuff like that. So that was also, you know, starting a, a birthing clinic in, in Sumatra and also in Haiti. We went to Haiti two weeks after the earthquake and built a 44 foot dome and had uh, four over 400 births in the natural births in the dome in Haiti and doing tons of education and started an, an NGO uh, with grassroots style, just people going to a place hardcore, standing your ground, growing, working with the community, learning a totally new language in a super hardcore spot and cre- creating a whole new NGO with the support of a lot of the cannabis community, but that was underground. Yeah, at big the ups, time. big ups to the oh, cannabis shit. community yeah, that, that we were able to fund a clinic in Haiti and serve um, thousands, thousands of women and their families with the education in their own culture to be able to. We have a problem. We've got placentas. What are we going to do with the placenta? Let's bury them. Let's start creating an environment that's fully rich, that really teaches the culture of this area. Because when there's a disaster zone, they're bringing in the craziest shit. It's a second they're disaster actually, after a disaster a because disaster. there's garbage everywhere. Yeah, Everyone's trying to help and they're just bringing packaged goods from well, some let's, goddamn let's box somewhere. Let's think of a smart situation that we get A pluses on. Here's one for you. Let's bring in an entire container of powdered uh, formula for babies, for mothers in a disaster zone. Okay, so we don't have clean water to mix with that. And now we've got babies who are not going to be breastfeeding in a disaster zone because women's milk is going to dry up if they now mix that with the dirty water and they actually feed that to their children. But let's go ahead and call it aid. Let's call that international aid. So when we go into zones and areas, we sit, we connect with all of the local healers all of the local people that have been doing amazing work. And we were able to create beautiful community center clinic where people want to come and we're giving away a hen instead of a vitamin pack supplement. In Jacmel, Haiti in the South, which was outside of Port-au-Prince and it was super like devastated everywhere. And it was just rubble and, everything happening um tremendous stuff we created a whole entire what called you guys to do that 
That's an interesting we did, we did question. The, we, we, well, that was 2010. <laughs> and in 2005, we went because we were doing work in the world um, and helping starting a clinic in Ubud, Bali uh, at the time. Um, we also went in 2005 to the, the earthquake and tsunami in Sumatra and Malabo with international uh NGOs which is the absolute the epicenter it was, of uh, that disaster we went with permaculture NGOs and women and children NGOs in 2005 and created a grassroots clinic in the epicenter which was between Banda Aceh and Malabo uh where there was a 9.0 earthquake that like took trucks and like took and beat them on the ground for like a tin you can. know and then an hour later it got completely flooded and, and wiped out um so and we, we were learned, the first team to arrive yeah by going to a, a closest nearest city and taking all the resources that we had based off our network based off the international people that Cannabis wanted to farmers. help and taking money and instead of giving it to like the red cross which takes a percentage out of it before it actually gets to the people uh, taking money for people on the ground, going to the nearest city, buying locally things that you need to survive, like a tarp, you know, a bucket, basic uh, water also, filtration, also, matches. also homeo homeopathics and some all the natural medicine, but yeah, and, and going to the nearest city and going over and starting a clinic. And if you want to educate, then people have to have trust in you. And when you come with heart and you come with love and you come with openness to be educated by the people there, then you can create that frequency that is beyond language. It's recognizable. That then women are walking five days to get to our clinic. And our clinic is always at 5 a.m. in the morning, seven hours deep. Because people feel trusting of true love and true health. And all of the clinics that we have gone to set up with tremendous people being funded by the cannabis farmers are all standing today. And they are all being run by the locals. And that was the way that they were supposed to be set up. And this is not just a hero story. This isn't us just like, oh, we're heroes because we did that. It was an incredible calling. You said, what brought you to that? I, I was literally hiking. I saw this moon dog in the sky on the day of the Haiti earthquake. I had no idea. It was a big hike. I remember turning to Josh and I said, something major has just happened. And we, something is going to change. And we came back to the house a couple hours later. We found out about the Haiti earthquake. I said, we're going. And landing in something like that is not you in a fucking cape and feeling like you're helping people any more than that story that I was telling you about, you know, with the plants, getting schooled with the plants. We are arriving on the ground and all of the days before we can heal anybody, we are digging up dead bodies 
as the days go on, the bodies become more and more corrode, you know, more and more degraded and composted. And that is the work that you have to do dealing with the death in a way that the people then feel like, oh, these are people to trust because they're coming in with love. In the Muslim religion, you have to bury your people. You have to bury your relatives. You can't just have a session so that follow the traditions and to follow that heart that heart uh, connection. So every single one of those family members needed to be found and had a proper burial before they could even move on to start mourning the death of that person. So coming into disaster zones is literally a disaster. But the NGOs that come in without dealing with that birth and death and dealing with the nine yard stairs, what I call it, people totally stunned that are definitely looking nine yards beyond you. How is it that you're going to have that same frequency with that human being so that you can help them so that they can help themselves? So again, this isn't a cape story, dun da 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 this is something that's like a true calling and it's not for everybody. It could create tremendous PTSD on people to go in and have to bury, you know, to, to get dead bodies or to talk to women who just lost four of their children because they can't swim with two arms holding a child. So they have to let go of that child. And I talk to 20 women a day that that had happened to. We are not going to heal those people with anti-fucking depressants. We are going to heal them by listening and allowing them their own process. That's the success of a healing clinic. And I think that that is also the success of being a beneficial super T cell on this planet Earth. And we all need to be beneficial super T cells so that we can truly be in the soul path that we need to be in. And it is a soul path. The work that we do here on the planet is a soul path. It's not something that we're choosing. I don't think that this kind of work, like I said, is for everybody. But when you have a calling, then that means that you're following your intuition and you're following your soul path. And whether your soul path is to exuberantly juice up people by serving them coffee in the morning and that you are creating a better fucking day for that person because they came to your coffee shop and you're following your soul path, it's no different than going to a disaster zone and digging up bodies. It holds equality in the weight of your holding up space here on the planet. And there's always more work to be done. I mean, you know, when you do one thing and it doesn't really mean anything because it's all still happening and we're doing other, you know, things and stuff. But um, yeah, it's extremely powerful. And uh, it also makes you feel like 
yeah, no, it's a sense of purpose and in, in a way that you can like make you can do something more than just talk shit and just wave a flag or come up with a cool like logo or whatever. You know, you can like actually be like, yeah, doing something that's real that people, you know, maybe you never forget, you know, maybe that's the only one cool thing that came to them in a gnarly zone, you know what I mean? Like a lot of those anyway, so those are those are two of the largest catastrophes also you know is is part of why you know is a calling to do you know because obviously there's disasters happening all over the place at this point and, and we're not out like going to every single disaster trying to do something about it you know what i mean although but we want to those were those were like hundreds of thousands of people dying and their whole entire infrastructure going away and stuff so that was sort of just like all right fuck it we're doing this you know and it was amazing it was super yeah and 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 uh just learning more about medicine too it's like part of just like the learning of life you know like how can we do this on like natural medicine when we were in haiti we created a, a, a creole and english uh herbal book on you know pregnancy and how to you know be healthy and we did it by talking to all the voodoo grandmothers and mambas that were coming in. There was songs happening all the time around the T, you know, not the teepee, but the, the dome, there was like bamboo in their uh, rooms and stuff. So you could hear everything, you know, it was super powerful though. And, uh, and then we were just able to say, Hey, you know, like we're not like, really teaching you what we're doing is we're holding this space and then we're learning from you and then helping remind you because sometimes it's just like you have moringa trees growing all over the place you Let's can eat, eat them, them <laughs> and make tea out of them super easy or tapioca and tapioca root and like get tons out of that you know what i mean and then also you can be like well actually check it out we can chop these up throw them in water and make fertilizer for the gardens that we're growing here as well we can also take garbage and make pots out of them and grow new plants out of them and put them all mm -hmm. around the garden and divert the groundwater and save i mean mm -hmm. so i mean it was or just we like, can fill up a wheelbarrow and make a bath out of it and put all the babies who had rashes from all of the stress and not being washed properly for many weeks and we can put them in a moringa tea bath in a wheelbarrow and everybody can join around and bathe their children and the rashes are gone the next day i wanted to ask like okay. if someone felt called to help with something mm -hmm. what's the process like to like navigate that like, like when them. you felt called to like, you're like, oh, there's a disaster. Did you guys just book tickets and just go out there? Like, how did you go about well, making sure that the trip was effective or I had already, we'd, I had already had the connections from the disaster before being in Bali yeah, was what really helped us. It was being in Sumatra really where well, the, I no the 2002 the Bali heads. bomb. Yeah. The 2002. No, we were there for the 2002 Bali bomb, which was crazy. Like 150 people had their head blown apart in the middle of the night during like, uh, and, and, we and that was a big part of like people like coming together and be like, oh my God, we have to help these people. We were just there. We just happened to be there. And so you we get started the good contacts involved. and the so connection. We, just, we yeah. were just in the place and you know, there was and I, a wow. shitty no. thing happened and we Responded. saw an opportunity, you know what I mean? To learn something. We learned by being somewhere and then we're like, oh, well, we could probably help like 
Because Kelly does, you know. I, so I, I feel like it's like if you see a car crash or something, yeah. your calling is just to be like, I run right run to it over every time. And be like, what's? And I'm not even knowing. I'm already like I mean, 15. I feel like most people that are into in an tune, accident. That's the instinct. You know, maybe I don't know. If people want to help, I would, you know, uh, the I instinct. Would, yes. I would say, yeah. uh, you know, there's grass. Some you people's have instinct to look is for to go the other way. You have yeah. to look for some grassroots. I feel like it's pretty easy if you're in an area and something you can really see who's risen up in the community to create whatever it is, whatever it is. Like it can be youth, it can be women's space, it can be gardens, farms, gymnastics, literally, you know what I mean? Like, but it's a community thing where some local person has risen up, everyone trusts them, you know, and that's the, those are the people to go help. So it takes a little bit of time. Don't just jump into the large scale companies and it's not to say they, they don't serve their purpose because they're there. So whatever, you know. But. Well, and also from going to the first that happening in Bali and then as soon as the the earth earthquakes and tsunamis happened in the Aceh province mm-hmm. knowing that we were going to head there as soon as possible, me calling everybody in Bali and saying, "Hi, we're going. We've got to go." And everybody like, "Yep, we're on the same page. Let's go in there." But then realizing the big NGOs or the big nonprofits or the big red crosses, they're going to be coming in with some supplies that you might want. So it's really no different than the cannabis industry guaranteed the black market and the legacy market absolutely helped us move and helped us gain access to the people and to the drugs or pharmaceuticals that we might need at, you know, when we're coming in two weeks in, I'm not dealing with very many births because women have unfortunately aborted already, or there's been, you know, things that have happened to the babies. We're dealing with injuries. We're dealing with four foot long bamboos inside of people's legs that have been there for two weeks. So to gain access to WHO's antibiotics, which I don't think is a good idea long term unless here's a perfect scenario so then meeting the head of the of who and then starting to write programs for who starting to write programs for a lot of these ngos and these international world health organizations not medicine sans frontiers any of that doctors without borders i could go on and on the catholic relief services all of these people write programs and write protocols their SOPs on how it is that they're going to go into an area or zone. So if we can infiltrate their SOPs by not only gaining access to their medicine and maybe some of their foods, we can go in really small with more people, more backpacks. We can go in through the back door. We can go and set up a 44-foot dome before anybody even knew what the fuck was happening because we're not navigating in these huge big ships with f- f- powdered formula. 
We're going to go in and find out what there is still to reclaim. How can we build a clinic? These guys built a clinic off of bamboo that was fallen in the tsunamis. And then people are like, oh my gosh, that bamboo was in my front yard where my family died. And now it's part of the clinic that I'm going to be able to call my own. So really what we're doing is we're gaining as much stuff as we can from the people that are coming in with these big loads, creating something that we know is going to last 10 years from now. It's the same as when we do consulting or we talk to anyone. It doesn't matter if your brand is going to be well-known this year. Are you going to be in business five years from now? That's success. That's working with culture. So and creating then we come back these, to our regenerative farm and we're like taking yeah. the same thing and we're bringing things and putting it on and yeah, it's all the same it in the next season. <laughs> and then know? going into Haiti was awesome because we were immediate boots on the ground. We got in really crazy way. Anyway, that's a whole long story that really deserves another time. But in the middle of the night on a, on an army boat from the Dominican Republic someone. with a bunch of nuns. So, yeah, that happened. We landed in Santo Domingo and then went through Santo Domingo because it wasn't destroyed. Because we've been in and the black market and because take. we know how to navigate Northern Cali Hills. And now we know how to navigate Haiti and getting in where we didn't even have anybody check our passport. And we went into a totally dark on port, a military boat, on a military boat, like I said, <laughs> with nuns in the middle of the night. And we were smoking weed in the dark all the way there. Like, wow, who knows what we're going to come upon. And before anybody knew it. And you're smoking weed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, we always. I mean, you can't navigate that. Well, so you can't smoke (laughs) weed in Bali, right? And don't bring it. Ache, where the tsunami happened, there's weed, lots of it, and it's super more fundamentalist Islam, which is normally not an intoxicant in that way, where there's not like you know, there's a pure, a pure kind of living with you know, Islamic you know, style living, whatnot. Um, but in Indonesia, which is super like death penalty, there are there was an autonomous guerrilla war happening between Indonesia and the Achenes. Uh, and Ache is, still Ache is A-C-E-H, Arabic, Chinese, European, and Hindustani. It's one of those spice travel, old world spots to flow through. Weed grows there. All the weed for Indonesia grows in those hills in the guerrilla warfare. So a lot of people had weed in their pockets. And so, so you could I totally smoke yeah. in that area with them because they all had weed and it wasn't a, it wasn't a big deal. Well, the first day you're checking blood pressure. Of course, everybody is high, but the people that are really skyrocketing, the first question is, how much do you smoke? And then all of the men would say they have two pockets in all of their shirt. Well, I smoke this many, you know, joints of this and this many joints of this. And I just thought, hallelujah. Or or, 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 alhamdulillah, (laughs) you know, they're smoking cannabis. And so that was really amazing. And I just was able to prescribe cannabis to everybody in large amounts for dealing with this terrible 
human thing that has just happened to them. And so in the same, same with Haiti and you know, if you work with weed, you guys are going to know this weed comes to you. We're, we're attracted to two things, ganja and health and well-being. <laughs> We've gone to India, gone to the Parvati Valley and Rash and, ta- and uh, um, towards Malana, Rashol and Tosh and um, saw the whole entire like hash, you know, making situation there and gone um to Jamaica, been gone down, you know, and, and in Thailand and, and every time, you know, we're looking for like local healers, local midwives, energy, whatever we can learn. And then when we go back to our space, we incorporate whatever we can, Hawaii, whatever, you know, and onto our land. But we never go somewhere and say, check it out. We have the, the playbook. We have just don't even no. worry about it. Like we're about ready to show up. Shit's going to go crazy. Like, <laughs> no, we not. go to an area very aware that there's a bioregional situation happening. And honestly, we have to go feel it out first. We have to go meet people and see what's going on, find out what's happening. And then together say, hey, what about this? Because you're not teaching, you're no. putting stuff out that, that might make sense. If it resonates, then all of a sudden action's going on and it's an unstoppable force, you know what I mean? So you go to an area and you kind of feel it out. Like after a while, you get a lot, you know, some maybe some uh, <clears throat> uh, experience, you know, um, and that can help. But experience can get in the way too. You know, like it can make you not innovative and it can make you think you know what you're talking about when really you should maybe just listen and and not not try and be a teacher or whatever. So I wouldn't necessarily say that 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 would be wise. So, you know, we try and be very humble and aware of what's going on. And that's the same way with ganja farms. Like, what are you going to do? Go to someone's farm and tell them how to grow weed. Like everyone's been growing weed forever. There's been forums for fucking 20 years now. Like, really, you need to know how to, to, to like make soil or whatever. Like, um, what, what you do is just find out what the dynamic is. You know what I mean? And maybe you can add something to it. And totally, you know, you can help source like a lot of stuff and you can connect people. You, After you've been around for a while, you kind of know there's cross checks all over the place. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, that's that's how we approach it. And that's how kind of we always have. And I think that's maybe uh, some way that we could continue and, and be in, in, in it for the long haul, because this is like life, life work in that way. And when we get called to consultations, people say, hey, you know, uh, what should we do with our land? And we'll say, well, we can come there and we're all going to eat a bunch of mushrooms and we're going to roll around on your land. And then we're going to let the land tell us because we don't fucking know. The land knows we could have some ideas. But like Josh said, we're going to bring all of our experience. Got it all figured out but you're not listening to the land, then you've missed the whole point of working with the land and creating agriculture. Would you say that's almost uh, artistic? Cause it's like, you're going into a blank slate with like, yeah, you have some technique and you have whatever you've done before it, but you're kind of letting uh, the art dictate what's about to happen. You know, it's kind of like this, you're interacting and then now 
oh, wow, look at this. Yeah. I mean, if art is creationist, Mm -hmm. which it is, then we're in our creationist state of mind. And if we're always in our creationist state of mind, then we're always humble and we're always open and we're always willing to learn. And we're ready, also really ready to work. Oh, yeah. We're not at all expecting anything to come to us without working. Um, we're, we're up for the challenge. We like the challenge. It feels good. Um, and so that's how you're meeting what's being given to you. So it resonates that it makes sense you have it. And it's not you know? that you're, you're working to earn your living because I don't really get that earn your living. Is that you are in like you're earning your living? Because when you take your first breath, you already fucking earned your living. You earned your living. You took your breath. You're here on this planet, but yet we're in a consistent carrot in front of us to earn our living. And then we confuse work and what we're here to do with earning a living. We've earned our living. Now let's work and do something awesome with it. But yet the system that we all get A pluses in or Fs, probably all of us here were probably F students. I don't know about you guys, but I know I was. So I, I was like a B, B minus, maybe oh, a C good. plus. Oh, I, was, I was always preoccupied, I guess you could say. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> That's middle, middle of the line, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Toe the line, just enough to not get in trouble. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I'm just saying that yeah. idea of earning your living, yeah. it's so crazy. No, it is. We all got a ticket to earth. Especially lately with the, I don't know if, I don't know if, well, I'm sure you guys are aware of it, but lately with what's going on in the economy, with inflation and everything else, earning your living is a real thought. It's hard. A real thought. And it's like, it's, it's that makes it really tough to not feel like you have to earn your living. So, um, and that's crazy because it does make you think, um, when you do go elsewhere, it's funny. No one's worried about earning their living. Like as much as people it's in just the States, integrated into what's happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their culture is yeah. more traditional in the yeah. sense of like they're living. Yeah. And we're you know, earning and we're in the rat race. Here overall, like when I go to yeah. other countries and I come back, the biggest thing I feel is that like, yeah, we're this, this is like some, some of my friends have the high level of it, like, and then others have a lower level of it, of like their, what they have to do to meet that standard. But there's extreme on both ends of it. And it just does create a rat race of a life. Like you're just mm-hmm. in monotony constantly. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. like no she said, the answer is chasing right now, a carrot. Sure. That's a great way to put it because you're never going to, you never get to it. There's, well, there's yeah, and, and it's, 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 it's like, it's like the whole concept of two is that the more you make, the more you spend. Mm. Oh, right. for sure. And you keep chasing, chasing, chasing. And yeah. that's, that's that form of it too. And then there's like the bare minimum form of it where I need this and I'm good. And then I just kind of hang out, sit around, whatever. Or pursue your passion. I have that job that just keeps me coming back that I don't really enjoy. And I don't know why I'm doing it Mm because I got to pay for 
some shit. Oh yeah. yeah, it's it's even with the ganja farms. Like it's you're not, it's the the way to make money is to not spend it and try and figure out ways that you can like get more efficient. You know what I mean? And not put out because you know the volatile market's going up and down or whatever. Um, it's yeah, it's That's just a really it's, good point. It's, yeah, it's just it's just the the, it's the, the, like, the grow answer your, is not to go bigger. bigger. So we yeah, so yields. you're not gonna just change your life and not be able <laughs> to earn, earn a living. So you're gonna have to be <laughs> satisfied with doing something. So if you can grow something that you're eating every single day or just do something like that, that's a cool way, you know, to, to do something, you know, you get a little bit of like the connection and, and then a little bit of the food, like there's a thing coming out appeal, you know, which is a spray on organic foods, you know, which seals the food and preserves it and, and, it's, and it's found on organic foods and, it's a, and it's conventional a new, both it's a newer compound coming Brought out. To you so by Bill Gates. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, even when you want to be like super in line, like yeah, the only way you're going to really totally achieve that is by doing it yourself. And the only way you're going to pass it's those a, concentrate tests is if you self life yeah. right now, you it know is. what I mean? And it's not, you're going to be 100% to yourself. We don't live totally off the grid. All I'm saying is be happy with what you can do. Just try and do something. You know what I mean? What, a little something are, here and there. Everyone's doing it, you know, then all of a sudden there's an effect, you know? Uh -huh. So just don't feel like, oh, well, I'm not doing enough or I could always do more. You know, I mean, I think that's like the, the thing to give people hope or whatever is just do a little something. Or little if we something, already, something, you know? if we already, if we just switch the modus operandi of that we earned our living because we're here, we already got that in the bag. We earned it. We're done. Now, what can we do to create a beneficial experience here on the planet? Because we got a ticket. It's like getting the golden ticket to go into Willy Wonka. Like it's a big freaking deal. Your soul got a ticket to be here on this amazing planet. What can we do to bring joy? And when we have joy, we're actually producing hormones that create beneficial microbiology. And when we're in fight or flight, we produce cortisol. And by the way, I think probably Americans and Canadians and North Americans have a higher addiction to cortisol than anything else on the planet. We keep ourselves in fight or flight. And it just so happens that that cortisol addiction is more addictive than anything else that you can put in your body. And you create it yourself by the experience that you're having here on the planet. So... Some of the gems that come to me that are having a hard time with their depression, they're like, wow, I'm really having a hard day. You know, I, I, now I've just said, fake it. So today, go out and fake it. Go get your coffee and you're the friendliest, nicest person in the entire world and you are smiling and you are looking at people in the eyes and you are creating something totally fake. And then give me a call at the end of the day. And my gems call me at the end of the day and they're like, that was the freaking best day that I've ever had in my life. And I started out faking it, but I galactivated other people with my frequency vibration. They gave it back to me because we are living in a collective consciousness of human existence here on the planet. And then all of a sudden, I got way more from my entire community. I'm all juiced up today and I'm all good. And I'm going to fake it every day. Now, 
that's just taking the whole system that we're all getting degrees in and turning it around totally on its ass and creating our own reality. So if we've already earned our living, then let's just enjoy the every day with our work. I think that's a phenomenal point. I love that. It's a, it goes along with the narrative we've been speaking on the whole time with just, you know, why does this feel opposite to what really is natural? Yes. You know, oh, I always want to ask the weed questions. I, I hate to go back. But when you're going through Malaysia and some of these places that cannabis is uh, rare or you have to feel your way out, are you finding land race stuff still or are they growing Dutch genetics? Like, what are you seeing? Definitely hard to find. I mean, <clears throat> Aceh would probably be the one spot that any war, longtime war zone, you know what I mean, is going to keep people out from integrating, you know? And so there's like not a lot of sp spots on the world really left, you know, for super land race genetics. We're planning on going to Pakistan in October, you know, with land race genetics online. Uh, well, yeah, and I saw uh, some video guys with, with you guys. <laughs> yeah. 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 Are you guys doing a documentary? GW yeah. Smoke Break oh, and yeah. Kevin Jodry. And we're planning on doing wow. a documentary. Kevin Jodry. And, and being wow. around yeah. and stuff. So we're going to go on a hash tour with Usman and do, you know, go from Islamabad up through the Karakoram into the Hindu Kush mountains. Also meeting up with local healers and local, you know, people to learn and, and understand like their, their harvest and what they're doing with hash and what it's like up there. Cause it's like super crazy environment and it's Pakistan. And it's one of those spots where if you're, invited you know it makes it easier to like get in you know understand what's going on we would always just be respectful and you know learn and be like you know dress and and act and be like in accordance to what's happening around you know so and i think when we talk about land race genetics i love this question compared to what compared to when so then, oh, great, we've got these land race genetics, which we know is a biodynamic accumulator, which we know is going to have its entire body, including its cannabinoid ratio, all of its terpene ratios is going to uptake the environment where it's grown in. So you're going to take that land race genetic and you're going to bring it back to your own spot. Is it land race anymore, even after the first year? So like, I don't really know. As human beings, we've swapped oh, beans, maybe human beans, maybe we're humus beans. And that's really what we're doing and we're meant to do is to swap seeds. So when we're talking about a land race, I don't know, can it come in a seed or is it only that beautiful actual flower that's grown in that zone? So when you're experiencing a land race, you're experiencing the culture that it grew in. Which, and yeah, we do find I mean, that, but, but I, I was just saying, wait, com compared to when is that if we even have Dutch genetics and we have them for long enough in one zone and area and it's grown closed loop, they're going to start picking and choosing 
that particular plant and breeding with that particular plant. And then if it's there for a hundred years, or if it's there for 200 years, then is that land race? So is land race coming from the actual seed or is land race really this totally elusive thing that we're never actually going to reach unless you're growing it in the land of with which the race of the seed came from. You're basically saying genetics and terroir together is what creates a land race. Yes. And if you take the terroir out of the situation and you remove that genetic, it's so funny you say this because I'm flipping back to a video I was watching on a DVD that got brought back from Amsterdam or something. This is early 2000s. And I want to say Arian. Mm -hmm. Arian, Arian and uh, Franco were speaking and they had brought land race genetics back and were growing them and saying they're not growing anything like what we remember them back there, even yeah. though the seeds were yes. brought from there. And I'm, I'm like rolling through this clip in my head of them speaking on, yeah, the, how the, the land race genetics or the so-called land race genetics they brought back were actually growing different now that they were brought inside or to a different environment and that you can take an indica plant that's grown high in the mountains, bring it down to an equator type zone and it'll start to grow more sativa-ish yeah. because of the environment change. And it's like adapting just like anyone would. Mm -hmm. That's a very, that's a interesting point. Land race yeah. genetics are grown like in like super, not so good. It's not, not that it's bad soil, but you know, like high maybe acidity it's hard. Maybe you've seen some of the Pakistan pictures where it's just like almost like barren soil and it's just growing out of the ground. You know, that's just going to look a lot different when you bring it like indoors because you always make really good, big soils, you know, something fertile, you know, a lot of times. Um, definitely Southeast Asia, you know, has super interesting genetics from the area. We work with, uh, you know, some amazing people. Uh, we post about them all the time on our Instagram and everything. An Earth Tone Collective in uh, Chiang Mai is just opening up, highlighting regenerative and natural Asian farming and incorporating medicinal mushrooms and mushroom cultivation with growing another thing to grow with mush, uh, uh, cannabis is mushrooms because mushrooms breathe in oxygen and out carbon dioxide plants bring breathe in carbon dioxide and out oxygen so that in itself is a closed loop breathing system and the co2 that comes out of mushrooms or high fungal soils are like a cold co2 that just stays right in the plants and, uh, you know, it's a good, good thing to grow for food and medicine underneath your plants because it doesn't need a lot of light. So you can get mushroom blocks and plant them in your soil and have sprouting mushrooms underneath your, your cannabis plant. And that's a really cool thing to have medicinal mushrooms and cannabis growing together. Um, or psychedelic mushrooms. Cannabis mix together. of all of them. Uh, a psychedelic yeah. mushroom like indoor <laughs> grow operation, for example, would be a high CO2. If you had like a cannabis one next to it, you could like pipe the air into like a cannabis room and get a lot of like beneficial growing from that dark like mushroom room or any kind of like mushroom room, like turkey tail, reishi, lion's mane, mm -hmm. you know, all that. You can 
have that interacting with your indoor cannabis room. That's do you do just, any truffle cultivating at all? Uh, people in our family outside of Oregon and associated, you know, with like some of the fairs in the area have done mushroom inoculation into, okay. fil into filbert trees. Basically, truffles have to grow with the trees. So you're not really giving someone truffles. What you're trying to do is give them a tree that has been inoculated with black truffles and you grow them on your property for a while. And after a while, like they'll show up. But it's not like a guaranteed thing, you know, or whatever. So, yeah, totally. Black truffles can be grown with filberts mainly. Um, and that climate of Oregon or France. A lot of deciduous trees, you know, too, in nature will grow the black truffles. We found them in the conifer forests and stuff yeah. in British Columbia yeah. and everything in well, Oregon and stuff like yeah. that, definitely. And we grow. They're so potent. Crazy we, flavor. We create a wow. CBD product that, um, a product, it feels weird to say that. It's a medicine. We've been working with this medicine for like over 20 years, maybe. And we just get talking about terroir, talking about land race. We work with the medicinal conchs, which are the tree mushrooms. So although you can't necessarily get a concentrated medicine from a whole tree, but you can get a conch, which has concentrated the medicine from the entire tree, you can slice it up. We put it in our CBD oil blend. But in order to get the super high vibrational healing oil that we're looking for, we have to get conchs and tree mushrooms from the old growth forests in our area so that we can take that education, that frequency to the people and the gems that I particularly work with so that we know that there's a full spectrum healing happening. So the mushrooms can be cultivated indoors and they're not going to have all of those bioflavonoids. They're not going to have all the esters, all of the different antioxidants that you're not going to get it from a chip in a bag as opposed to a conch growing on an old growth tree. It's taking all of the information all of the patterning, everything that that tree has had in its entire life. And it, maybe a and thousand a years, yeah, maybe, two, a thousand maybe 1500 years. years. Not that you're what we're walking up to an old growth tree and just being like, how you doing? Taking it like that doesn't happen. What we're saying is there's a forest happening and often there's down trees and there's you you know when you can and we always you know be very careful about the mushrooms like never taking all of them like you know like so i just just to make that clarification for people and also and we live very like one of little the, next to one of the largest old growth forests like in the world type thing so it's like there's just no one there there's like it's just like there's not like a place where people go so that's also really special but that's a choice we live there for that reason so like yeah mycocanicaps is what they're called yeah our mycocanicaps but and and yet again we put all of our ingredients in there we tell people exactly how it's made because we want to educate we don't want to 
uh, give you a fish. We want to teach you how to fish. We don't want to just give you oil. We want you to make your own medicine because when you're growing your own, people always say, what's the best? What can we do? What's the ultimate medicine? Grow your own. And we all in the industry, if we're not fighting for grow your own, then that's kooky. And what kind of relationship do you actually have with the plant? Are you only looking for money? Are you just taking from the plant? A lot of people are like, you know, I, I just keep doing this to my grows and it's just not producing the same. Well, I mean, what are you giving it for to, to continue asking for that back? which is important as well. But that's the intention and that's the care and what goes into your products. Like that's not, I mean that like to just say that like the amount of like, you're talking about old growth garden and being able to harvest a mushroom like that. And then even what's being grown that gets put into these, uh, you know, basically brews or teas or top dresses uh, is, is amazing, man. Yeah. You know, it's just amazing. It's helpful. The plant grows different, you know, when you, when you add that, that kind of, you know, product to it. Um, you know, it's like I said, the, the leaf structure changes, the, the stems change in the plant, even in an indoor grow, super high biological living soil, you know, um, really grows a plant really, you know, in a different way. And what else grows a plant is good vibrations and energy. So if you're walking into your grow and you're bringing a bunch of cortisol, you're bringing a bunch of your fight or flight energy into there rather than all of your good oxytocin and your dopamine and your serotonin, then in the same way as that gem that I said, fake it, it's the same. We're galactivating another individual. We're galactivating a plant. If you walk in all bummer and those plants haven't seen you all day, it's no different than walking into your household and your partner hasn't seen you all day and you're just bringing in bummer. I get the idea of sharing. I get the idea that, you know, we want to be able to be open but we also want to be able to be healthier and create a better vibration. So if you come home and you say to your partner, how was your day? Even though it might've been hard, first things out of your mouth was, fuck yeah, it was awesome. I learned so much today. You know, turn it around. You can do that same thing to your plant while still being authentic, but you're creating the cycle of serotonin, dopamine, and all of those positive endorphins rather than just cortisol fight or flight uh terpenes and the entourage effect we could just touch on that i mean we got into it just for a minute earlier but how important it is that we're not just shopping for thc and the highest amount but we're also being conscious about what terpenes and how they affect us when we inhale them just like anything uh you know a bunch of rosemary in the nose will make you think and feel a different way you know and uh that's aromatherapy that's literally the backing of it is and now we're inhaling it and combusting it uh what do you what do you think about that i mean it's the the classic example of someone saying you know that they'd smoke a lower thc but get higher than you know they get you know we're sort of partly limited by what we're testing in science and what they've taught us you know look just looking for thc and how it makes a high for us because a high is like working with our disposition and our body chemical makeup i mean some people go through a total green out after they smoke and for two hours they're 
they're like barely breathing. You know what I mean? So, you know, uh, the entourage. They're breathing just fine, but they're having a bad experience. Who knows what's happening? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, but it's, it's just part of like mm-hmm. the olfactory effect that, you know, the aromatherapy aspect where it hits your body and your body's letting down chemicals and it's all part of the sensation that you're having. And then the cannabinoids following behind it so it's like the terpenes are opening a pathway inside your body and then the you know mix of cannabinoids and other compounds to come in create the high so people are trying to save the terps and do it for the terps you know it's because it's 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 an attractant you know like like it is like you know a you know a bee to a flower or whatever you know it's like the color the is part of it too i think you know whether it's light green or purple or whatever it is you know a, a color is also part of that and the smell uh yeah just opening up the pathways i think is a good way to look at it and diversity is the best you know because you know isolation you know with cannabinoids especially or terpenes uh don't work as effectively even in clinically you know in clinical settings and speaking with ethan russo or any people that have you know been a part of the cannabinoid testings and stuff yeah i wanted to they created you know the the term entourage effect you know and and you know brought to to it you know, to us that the fact that it was, you know, really important to have the diversity. So it really adds to creating a soil or some kind of tea or adding indigenous microorganisms or diet, just as many, as much diversity as you can to a soil to create a matrix for the plant to try and match that, you know, through terpenes and cannabinoid production. But those are just two, there's other healing. Well, and I think that we can look at the term entourage effect And we know that it's like multiple things on board, you know, together it's an entourage. And Josh mentioned Ethan Russo. He's a dear friend of ours. Thank you so much, Ethan, for all of the work that you've done. Um, Love him. He's been to our farm. He's like family to us. So a very brilliant, very dedicated, uh, organic farmer that grows beautiful vegetables. That's very dedicated to the soil and a curiosity of the cannabis plants. I'm very thankful to him. But when we think of the word entourage effect, again, cannabis is a accumulator. We've got to make sure of what it is that we're entouraging and what is the effects. So if we want to have an entourage effect, it's not just the terpenes and the cannabinoid profiles and being able to have a full spectrum of both of those, but a full spectrum of all of the other beneficial things that give somebody a nice experience. And that's what harm reduction is about. That's what Alice was here talking about. When we talk about harm reduction, we want to talk about a good, beautiful, awesome experience. And now we know that that's going to happen with the entourage effect, but not just the entourage effect of what we can test, but the entourage effect of what energy and vibration went into those plants. So the sunshine, the soil, the entourage of all good experience for the plant. If we're asking so much from the plant, why is it that we can't give the plant a good is experience in their lives as we're asking of the plant. 
we continue to ask this plant, I want you to give me a good experience. I want you to give me a good experience. Be good to me. Give me this high. Give everybody else this high. But we have to question what experience are we giving the plant? Because we don't want to just be takers. We want to also give in this beautiful frequency that keeps us all vibrationally high. And that's why, they, you know, another reason like why you'd get rid of Eagle 20 and, and stuff like that, because microbutanol and whatnot, it turns to cyanide when smoked. And that's also part of an entourage effect that you would want to be aware of. And you a might lot not of, like a lot that of entourage. Have, a lot of people yeah. have stopped foliar spraying because it's they don't want that in their entourage effect, you know. And that's not trying to be silly, but it's a, you know a big part of the um, the, the high or whatnot. As soon as you learn about what you need to foliar and what what ha what's happening and why PM happens and changing of environments and and changing a pH on the leaf, it's easy to get around having to spray anything crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, exactly. it, it feels like a period of time where it was like people look back on it like, oh, why were we doing that? That was crazy. We we had a loss of knowledge mm -hmm. for years and we took mm -hmm. the easy road to the left, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. as a culture. Right. And a lot of people were doing it. Mm -hmm. And now I, I feel like all the guys I talk to, even the guys that would have been doing it then, everyone's figured out other ways that are way less harmful and are not pharmaceutical grade stuff that we shouldn't be spraying on anything combusted or, in, or uh, brought into our bodies ingested. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Absolutely. If people want to get in touch with you uh, for your products, how do they do? How do they do that? Dragonflyearthmedicine.com is our website for our products. And that's where you can find our human health products and our plant products and also the the hemp and the um medicinal mushroom products mm -hmm. and then dem pure farms is the uh certification page and on that page it, it talks about like cl what closed loops are what regenerative farming is it has a list of farms um, from around the world because a certification doesn't follow like just one country's regulations you know it's more of a you know, a uh, regenerative certification in the sense of how you grow it. And that um, it's always going to be, we don't, you know, we, we don't recommend products to begin with and, and growing and stuff. So everything would be still toxicity tested and everything that an organic farm would, would need, but that everybody you'd be pr pr producing it on your farm. So DEMPureFarms.com and you can see the farms and also um, educators, and people um farms and uh not just farms but resources and people that also work you know um as like a sacred uh commerce you know you know that support farms and 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 create like-minded um, family and, and natural products you know what whatever it is so there's a page for that as well do you and also our instagram yep and one thing i wanted to say is that this conversation because we when we come down from Canada, we can't bring anything over the border. So our farms, you know, are gift us, you know, beautiful flower. And this conversation was brought to you <laughs> by Kush Kirk and Amanda at Garden of Greece. And so we were and talking somebody. about how, you know, the, the cannabis creates the conversation. Well, we've been here smoking these gorgeous, amazing, regenerative gifts from our farms that are Dempure certified, and then we can have these great conversations.
like we had today. Any other shout outs to people that you want to give props to or, you know, thank along the journey? I mean, uh, you know, we're in British Columbia going to be at the Unicorn Cup, you know, coming up in August. And that's an amazing event to look at. We're going to Michigan here really shortly next weekend. Um, for the Legacy Festival. Yeah, for the Legacy Festival and working with uh, the Gage Green family and Big Cloud Presents. Yeah. And it's a huge cannabis event and a, and a consumption lounge. Um, just, you know, all the people in Barcelona that, you know, that GWA, everyone that brought us in, everyone in New York, you know, the Astro Club, all those guys that, that really have always been kind, um, all, all in Thailand, um, uh, Green Source Gardens, you know, Ice Whoop, Ancha Gill, everyone. Uh, there's so many family members that we uh, that are doing amazing work out there, you know, Um I mean, I, I hate saying someone and not saying others, but like in the network of, of farms that we've created, there's a, there's an amazing, um, family group there of people that are really doing awesome stuff. So everything that we've talked about today are being represented in different ways on all these different farms and stuff. So it's literally, we're just one, two people doing some stuff watching a lot of other people and learning from from them so really the, the the strength is in the group and the peer certification is an amazing group and it's growing worldwide south america asia but it's not super fast in the sense of like oh there's a million people coming on it's really just more you know kind of a intentional and it's just kind of someone that's really rooted well, because in, in it's good also, work or it's whatnot. incredibly difficult to get it and uh you were saying who i want to thank for sure the farmers that are putting out all of the good work whether you're peer certified or not and also the growers that want to do something better or people that are inspired by their community to grow better flower to be a better educator because i feel like so many people who have been in the industry for so long have some Something to share with the rest of the world about plant medicine. You are the medicine makers. You are the ones that is, is the flower is going to affect a person's day, lifetime experience. It might affect the way that they look at cannabis forever. It might blow them wide open to see the truths about themselves. Just know that you are the medicine makers. And I really wanted to thank those people who have that intention in their heart every time that they go into their garden, no matter what their practice is. Because you are lifting the entire populace of the world by providing a medicine that heals our body and our soul and our spirit. And if someone wants to learn hands on, can they do you guys do that at, at your place up in BC or you know, no? Um, another person, uh, jo Joey, the humble local in Tamara, heal thyself up in Lake County. Um, they do a lot of events up in Humboldt and in, in Northern California. And, and I mean, in Michigan, literally, it's there's so there really are a lot of events happening everywhere new york all of maine the whole you know like mm -hmm. i could I really could name a lot of amazing people that are doing some really cool stuff so i feel like you start 
looking at people. Uh, we try and post a lot about people on our, even just simply on our story that are doing different things in different places. But <clears throat> there's a lot of opportunity, not on mm -hmm. our farm yeah. in the sense, like it's pretty like personal for what we do and we live far away and, We've and taken all that. And we, we have worked with, we, yeah. we still continue to work with the people, you know, as much that are just in our world. But there are farms that have more of a public thing where they bring on people and they like it, you know what I mean? And it's really helpful and there's like programs and stuff. So the regenerative, I would, I would definitely look at um, our pure certified farms in those areas and then just start just kind of going Reach through their them. pages. Cause mm -hmm. there's a, Everybody's there's in, in, in each zone, you know, there's, there's something. And to also learn. if you want to become pure certified, it's not, a, it's not a club. It's not like nobody can't be in it. There's just a, a bottom line on what we consider regenerative. And if you feel like you've reached that and you're doing amazing closed loops on your farm, just reach out to any Dempure farmer because Josh and I aren't even the ones that give you your certification. Your local Dempure farmers are going to give you the certification because they say, yes, this farm or these people represent who and what I'm doing. So then we can have reflective, uh, conversations and that's what this is out of and everybody who is a part of the certification has agreed to be an educator so reach out the to them on social media they want to share they're really stoked about what it is that they're doing and part of our certification from the beginning was also that you could only do um solvent free extracts so a lot of the farms that we've that we've always worked with could only make rosin or anything you know from the beginning. organic alcohol you know extract not isopropyl because isopropyl is definitely really not good for your body so organic alcohol even for cleaning like your your dab rigs and mm -hmm. bang and stuff it's better for your body to use organic alcohol it's not just one's alcohol and so is the other one what's the difference isopropyl is not really something to have around it's bad for the entourage effect it's the terpenes off the isopropyl are really not good for you uh so you know organic alcohol all the way that's huge because a lot of people Sorry. take the the dab rig nail out these days dump it in alcohol and in between every dab they're they're you know burning it off but are you and those no. little amounts that are left wow that's something that's yeah, interesting to hear you smell it it's affecting your microbiome oh it's abrasive you're like you smell it and immediately that's not good for, and like, if you smell it that rosin, means it's a it's know? a fume mm -hmm. and so it's affecting your entourage effect like josh said of, of your experience but it's also killing very healthy microbiology in your body when it's it's a little bit more expensive, but you can use less and come up with better ways to clean your rigs um, because organic alcohol, you're going to have a way better experience off of it. And refining your way yeah. you smell, you know, what you're smelling with the actual, mm -hmm. old, you know, product or whatever, the full melt that you're having. Learn how to make alcohol. That's a really awesome. I mean, seriously, the one thing, like if you can, if you're making so you can alcohol, clean your rigs you're doing something that you can really work with. Like you can then make tinctures and roots and herbal stuff. Cause herbal, herbal products are going to probably double and triple and quadruple in price over the next years. We just came from an herbal conference. I won't take too much more time, but those products are going to be taxed like cannabis. All of the herbal companies out there that do. They're not going to be. There's a, there's a bill for it to be. And the people are not going to allow it to happen. But yes, this is, this is a conversation that's being Same had with cannabis in companies. all countries. 
So many countries. It's going to be hard Not to all. get that. So, so anyway, it's a sweet and smart thing to do to learn how to ferment foods and learn how to do tinctures, do vinegars, make shrugs. Those types of things are super like interesting. You know, you can mix and make elixirs and then you can have soda water and make your own elixirs based off plants that you're growing in your yard. It's a lot of fun. And you could trade you know? fire weed and concentrates with your friends who need clean alcohol to clean their rigs. Yeah. Yes. Or, or your local mushroom grower, because mushroom growers use a lot of isopropyl alcohol to sterilize their, their zones their when they could be doing organic, awesome, high grade alcohol. So it's really a nice product to have to trade and people to be able to resource. Mycosymbiote does amazing um, mushroom cultivation and people should know about Mycosymbiote and William and his family and amazing mushroom cultivation and progressive, you know, from the standpoint of having like a, a more, um, innovative lab where it's not yeah it's just so so just so stripping or whatever so yeah anyway yeah no i'm following the instagram because I, you guys do a lot of teaching you do a lot of knowledge drops you do a lot of uh connecting dots for people of who else they should be watching and following and paying attention to for knowledge like uh this has been a pleasure of ours it really Absolutely. has Absolutely. The pleasure has been all ours. You all have done such beautiful work for the community and for you all to keep reaching out to people who are doing really great work within the cannabis community and upholding awesome things and giving them a voice to be able to educate everyone. It's such an incredible gift for the community. So the pleasure is all ours and we're so thankful for you guys. Wow. Thank you. That's nice to hear. Thank I you. appreciate that. Yeah. That was yeah. We really appreciate it for real. It's I've just been in deep thought as I'm listening and just learning so much all in a short period of time, but you two are a wealth of information. I got to ask where, how did you two meet? Uh, well, it was, uh, in an, uh, she was doing a river rafting course to work with this river rafting company. And so was my, um, my person I was living with in the house in Eugene, I was 19 and, um, uh, she came back and then my friend came back and he's like, dude, I met these like super awesome, like ladies, we should totally go hang out and see like what's happening. And, uh, and then we, we met that day and just really talked for a super long time. And she was like, we just really loved talk. I, you know, we just kept, kept saying things and she, you, you were older than me at the time. I was, I was older oh, when you're, older. yeah, I'm yeah. still older. That's weird. In <laughs> but, this body, um, in this body, you're way older than but, I am though. But, um, you know, so we, we met like as just like, you know, people hanging out in Eugene, going to, to college and, and experiencing a fun life, you know, doing festivals, barter fairs, dead tours. And, uh, Every single day after that, we just hung out and we've like, been, we've probably spent like every day together for the last 30 years, but we, we've done other things easily, but we have been together for 30 years now. We're in our fifties. We have children who are totally amazing and we should really acknowledge our kids. Oh, thank you, Sky and Sierra. We love you for Sky holding down Sierra, the farm right now. And, and Lucia. They, they have their child, Lucia, <laughs> who was born at home on our farm last year. 
You know, so we have home birth, three generation farming happening where we're making food together, you know, uh, preserving food for the next year, trying to save our own seed for the next year, trying to live that self-reliant lifestyle and have a business that reflects it. Um, And so that's our life. That's that's where that's where we There's no trying about it. You guys are doing it. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome, and it's a work in progress. It's and there's so no, rare. There's it's nothing really to say that we're you know going to maybe be able to do it forever, but we we have the willingness to work together and and transcend our our own bullshit or whatnot, you know, to to try and come together and Compost make a beautiful family <laughs> and allow each other to do other things, so we're not all locked in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We all do. Our son's an amazing downhill mountain biker. We have an incredible mountain bike community. Kelly's been working with the the highest professional downhill mountain bikers in the, in the industry. And they're all part of our family and injury healing at the top level and cleanses and, and nutrition programs like top athletes in the world don't really have the guidance towards true health and well-being, even though they're working with the world's best doctors, they're not really actually, and you hear this all the time. You can be a doctor and not be a nutritionalist. That makes zero sense. So (laughs) Kelly and us and Sky and our lifestyle and having like bikers and creating jumps and and we have an amazing network, you know, of of athletes that we work with. And uh, that's a little bit of our just fun family and what we've done with our our life and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. It's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. And so you guys, you, you guys are going to be in Michigan next yeah. weekend and then uh where else was there somewhere else unicorn cup yeah british columbia yeah, the unicorn cup is in uh yeah. in the kootenays and it's a like a ganja camp out super cool it's so special um, interactive you know place to be with yeah um people and really get deep on on cannabis and the and working together and and other things you know in life i'm building i'm doing a little timber framed stage on the side called the healing hollow and so we're going to be putting energy into that and so that's one of the other things yeah and then pakistan and potentially in thailand this winter in january doing it you know some stuff in chiang mai and maybe an organic cup because we did an organic cup in barcelona Thanks and to we've been helping the create nice. this cup that's just the organic cup and it yeah. can be in different spots and it's just everyone organic from the zone so we met a lot of amazing organic growers in europe while we were in barcelona and people that are doing this kind of life there it was super powerful and, and we had a great time they're they're super amazing a lot and they don't get enough credit from our zone a lot of people like to flex and say that you know the west coast is the best at whatever and they, and they can grow large scale and they can grow differently on large scale everyone's good let's just put it that way like people have learned huge by just going to, to barcelona in this last year so honestly it's just we're all part of the magic that creates this community and we should all be learning from each other you know that reminds me of something we are all one drop of water but together we make a flood that was a great i like that point you made on uh uh, was the emerald cup uh, stage yeah i wrote it down because i thought that just reminded me of what you said exactly and sometimes we say when the web gets wider the weave gets tighter 
So you kind of web out and then you weave and integrate together. So again, thank you guys for the time. Man, thank it's been you a guys long for real conversation. Seriously. We appreciate it. Absolutely. You taking interest in what we're talking about. It's Absolutely. a big deal. So thank yeah. you so much. Thank we appreciate so much. it. The moment I stepped in this room, you guys had my attention right on. vibrating at a high level. So we appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Um, I've been a fan for a decade plus. I mean, yeah. since I started, since he like we came here and he was like, you can start an Instagram now, you know, just to be like, <laughs> don't do it yet. Don't yeah. do it yet. Yeah. yeah. But uh, as soon as I started Instagram, I've been following you. And it's just it's it's amazing to see. Get on DragonflyEarthMedicine.com. Get on Dragonfly Earth Medicine Instagram. What an amazing journey to watch. Yeah. You know, Thank firsthand. you. And reach yeah. out because we're, we do the DMs. We answer back all of the emails. questions and emails. Like we're just regular people. We just want to be able to spread all of the goodness. That's all. We do miss the odd, like, you know, we try and keep up on it pretty good. But I just, you know, we'll say that if we didn't get back to you, like, reach out again because we're yeah. we're working on it or whatnot you know because so we were under medicated that day yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> try their amendments i absolutely love their foliar feed i've been using it consistently for 10 years it the lasts a long time especially with small gardens yeah and you definitely have to try the cacao or the cocoa yeah. however you want to say it definitely i have to brew some after wait. this yeah, absolutely. yeah. thanks well you guys. appreciate you guys dragonfly earth medicine it's first smoke of the day and we are out Appreciate everybody. Peace. Hey, stop. Before you leave, roll up another one. We got more episodes just like this. Click right here.